1: This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty on SENZ. into the Saturday session for your Saturday morning. It is the 4th of February. We're flying through 2023 already. Uh, Those of you keen listeners will notice that it is not. Daniel McCarty this morning. He's away this week. Uh, He will be back in the hot seat next week. Uh, If I sound a little sweaty to you listening, it's because I am. Uh, Myself, Ben... Through the glass there, Logan working feverishly away out in the office, have just been down to our great mates at Foot Locker at uh, 8.30 in the morning, like we always do, Ben, on a Saturday. We just like to go and check out the the shoes that they got in there. Um, and who would we bump into but Dirk Nowitzki? Um, obviously. I'm taking the mic a little bit. They've flown him over here as part of, uh, you know, he's a, a bit of an ambassador for uh, Foot Locker. So it was a bit of a fan meet and greet. And luckily enough, SENZ uh, were along for the ride. I got to ask him a few questions, interview him. I've got to be honest with you, Ben, <clears throat> I was nervous. Um, I think you could tell to watch me interview him. I, you know, basketball is my, my favourite sport. Um, Watched it as a kid growing up in the 90s. Dirk drafted in 95, 96. He was part of that famous draft that I believe had Kobe, had Dirk, uh, had Paul Pierce. I think Allen Iverson might have been in that one. I think Ray Allen maybe as well. Um, And so growing up as a kid, watching all of those games that we could watch, the the patented fadeaway, uh, I remember exactly where I was when uh, Dirk Nowitzki won his first championship. I was sitting in the halls of residence at Otago Uni. We'd all come back from our lectures, or or didn't even bother going to uni that day because uh, the final game of that series was on. And I remember Dirk had an absolute blinder. There's one particular play he had Chris Bosh on the left block, and he and he turned as if he was going to do his famous fadeaway, and instead of doing that, he just kept turning and ran all the way to the rack uh, for a dunk, and eventually a championship. So I don't know. You you think that you know you go through it in your head, and you think you're not going to be that nervous when you meet someone like that, but um I was what was it like for you Ben?
2: Well we got we got told of the opportunity and it was one of those things where it's like surely this can't be real and it wasn't until he was standing in front of you you're like <laughs> oh my god it's Dirk Nowitzki it's not every day you actually get to bump or get the opportunity to be in the presence of somebody who has achieved all the things that Dirk has done as you touch on he's you know he's regarded as one of the probably the best power forwards ever for been, sure being part of that Great Dallas Mavericks side. I think they played in they lost to, to Miami in the 05 final. Yes. Uh, Dallas were actually up 2 0 in that series, and Miami came back and won that one. And then they had the the one in 2011, which was the first year of the Big Three, I think, of Miami. In Miami, yeah. So look, the fact that Dirk was, was there, we had the opportunity just to see him, was absolutely incredible. It's something that not many people will get the opportunity to do so I'm absolutely privileged and I just can't I still can't believe it
1: no I can't believe it either we will obviously play the uh, interview out for you in a wee while we've literally just walked into the studio from there we came straight from the footlocker I think one of the most amazing things to me and obviously he's a massive global superstar um, Dirk Nowitzki everybody knows who he is um, the NBA is huge really got it got to the heights that it's at in the 90s, and early 2000s, around when Dirk was blowing up, but for him to be able to come to an island in the South Pacific uh, and the queues out the door. So you got there a little bit before we did, Ben. What time did you get to Foot Locker on uh, Queen Street?
2: Well, I walked from our building. I left at about 25 to 8 and I got there about 8 o'clock and there were probably, I'd say about 100 people maybe and the, the person at the front of the queue had been there since 5.30 this morning. Wow. So um, this wasn't a massively publicised thing,
1: I think they wanted to keep it a little bit on the down low um, but basically how you got in the draw was you uh, had to spend X amount at the store then that gave you a ticket, you could uh, redeem that ticket to come in and meet Dirk he was so giving with his time as well when he was there signing everything Um, we'll get to that in a second but as Ben mentioned there was 100 people so they gave out 200 tickets and obviously you know, if you're a father and you've got a kid you know you're going to take the kid along. So to, of 200 tickets, there would have been an excess of 400 people um, queuing up outside that. They were, like you mentioned,
2: from 8am uh, and even earlier. Uh, the, but the, the queue when we left, though, people had already come through and was going around the corner as well. It was still so. going around the block, yeah. Um,
1: and I don't think they opened the doors till about 9. Um, might have been just shortly after 9. We were one of two radio stations that were able to interview Dirk um, and... When you hear the interview later on in the show, that'll be the first time I hear it as well. It was all such a blur to me. I can't remember uh, anything uh, that he said. <clears throat> as I mentioned, he was so giving with his time. He was so, you know, relaxed and having a yarn. Um, I did have an awkward moment with him as soon as he walked in. Uh, the, his manager and, you know, the PR company and stuff, They as he walked in, they said, this is all the Footlocker staff. We're going to get a photo with these guys. These two guys over here, they're going to interview you um and when they did that, they pointed at me. Now, I was holding the microphone for whatever reason between my palms, like two hands. If you picture me, I'm almost in a praying position holding this microphone. I don't know why, because I was just nervous and waiting around. Yeah, exactly. Um, when he looked at me, so I, I, I sort of go by the rule, if you know someone, it's eyebrows up If you don't, or head up. If you don't know someone, it's sort of head down, you know, to acknowledge them, a little nod. <laughs> what I didn't realise is my hands clasped in front of me in a, in a praying position it looked like I bowed to him and and the polite man that he is Dirk Nowitzki bowed back to me <laughs> he took it as oh that must be how this guy addresses people you know he's been on this worldwide tour um, and he sees this bloke bowing to him so he bowed back to me uh, I had nothing to get signed Um, They had obviously used all of their stock of Mavericks jerseys. Uh, You know, they had them piled on the table. He signed all of them. I couldn't find any Mavs merch or anything like that, but I wanted to get something signed to send off to the old man. I couldn't find anything. So I just got him to sign the shirt I'm wearing, um, and I'm actually currently wearing it too uh, right now. I was so sweaty in there um, that, you know, and I won't be able to wash this in case the thing comes off, so I'm just going to have to send this to my dad
2: as is. Do you reckon, Ben? I would would say so. (laughs) I'm sure he'd appreciate that too. So. I
1: don't know. I might. I might have to ask him, and then uh, he might come back and say, "Look, no, no chance."
2: I don't. I don't know if you did it as well, but when we got told this opportunity, which was very late on in the week, yes. I, I immediately jumped on trade me. I was like, "Oh, you know, let's have a look and see if there are any Dirk jerseys available." Ah. Nothing. Well, you, yeah, based on the
1: people that were out the door, uh, you wouldn't have been the first person that did that
2: because I also went on the Footlocker website, I was like, "Oh, they sell Dallas Mavericks caps." So yeah, I'll ask when I get there, and not nothing.
1: No, they were absolutely cleaned out. Um, but you did manage to find something to get Dirk signed,
2: didn't you? I did. So I, I like collecting sports cards. I have. Quite a good collection of sports cards. I've got you know basketball, I got rugby league, rugby, baseball, American football, soccer, football. I got quite a few, and I was like, I've got quite a few basketball cards. So what me and my mate used to do, this was before they kind of came back in. This is during the lockdown, so this is prior to lockdown. Right. We used to buy boxes on trade. Me go to fifty fifty, and you just just take a pack out, pack out each. At a time open it and see what you got yeah so it was cool and i thought surely i've got i've surely i've got some dirt cards in there surely yeah. i went through my entire collection and i reckon i've got over a thousand nba cards wow i had one dirt card wow i was adamant i had one and i and i i got told and i had to wait to get home and i went through my folders i was going very carefully i was like surely i've got more but no i just had one card so i kept it in my pocket and I was waiting for the opportunity to get him to sign it. And we had, we had the opportunity to be in there before the, the public got to come in, yeah. and they were doing a bit of a run through. And I was like, oh, this gonna be my opportunity. So I, I stepped up, I was like, oh, use me as an example. And I was like, hi Dirk, nice to meet you. Can you please sign my card? And he and did. It, he did. He just he, he's he's actually kept my Sharpie. I brought my own Sharpie and he kept it. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> and then and then I use the Opportunity as well to grab a photo. So it was it was quite everyone everyone was like, well played, man. Well played. Yeah, we'll have to um yeah, we'll have to invoice
1: him for that Sharpie. I think that's not good taking the Sharpie off you. Um so what, is that going straight on trade me or what's what's the deal? No, nah,
2: no, nah, mate, that's going in my that's going in my little special collection. Oh, I haven't got many I would say top cards. I just noticed that card I got is actually from the 2010-2011 season. So, no. Yeah, wow. It's pretty cool. What would
1: that be worth, do you reckon? Do you reckon you could?
2: I don't know. I guess the hard thing is, though, because I guess I don't really have a photo of him signing it. So, I guess people might be like, oh, is that?" All- i have to probably get it authenticized for it to be up in value. Mm-hmm. But I've got like a couple of like jersey cards. I've got a couple of like autographed cards that you get in the pack. So, that would just be going in that collection, really. Oh an incredible morning, and like
1: you said, uh, we only found out about it probably Thursday night, maybe even uh, yesterday morning, really. It was confirmed. Uh, that meant a sleepless night for me. I, I, I didn't think I'd be that nervous about it, but you know, I woke up, must have been about. Four o'clock this morning, uh, my cat brought a cicada into the room, so that's that's a great way to wake up. And from then on, I just had uh, alarm anxiety. You know, when you know you have to get up earlier than usual to go and do something. Oh, yes, that's horrible. And so you wake up at like you know three or four in the morning, and then you drift off back to sleep. Then you wake up with a jolt and think, "Oh God, I've slept through my alarm." Um, and then you know that just keeps happening to the point where you just end up not sleep, not sleeping at all um, through the morning. So that was that was my morning, uh, racked with anxiety. I'm sure it'll come through in the, uh, the audio, which we are scraping together to play for you later on in the show. Here is what else is going to come up on the show. And actually, Ben, you might need to tell me this because uh, I'm filling in. You've got a much better grasp on what's going on. Uh, this is a segment that I'm quite excited about, the Ocho, ESPN8, the Ocho, I presume. Um, the uh, wide and wacky world
2: of, of sport, the dark side of sport, is it? Just some quirky stories from the week have just gone, pretty much. So it can be from any sport, but just stuff that you might have missed from the the mainstream headlines. I love it. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, there's been a lot of
1: developments in the basketball world. A lot of developments in the basketball world. Um, just while I was hanging out with a dear friend of mine, uh, who goes by the name of Dirk Nowitzki, before. Uh, news broke on ESPN. Kyrie Irving has requested a trade before the trade deadline. The trade deadline is Thursday uh, American time, which would be Friday our time. Uh, That is just another uh, headache for Kiwi Sean Marks. He's the GM of the Brooklyn Nets. Of course, you'll remember uh, James Harden forced his way out of there. Kevin Durant at the start of the year requested a trade. Uh, There were rumours or stories coming out that Kyrie Irving had requested a trade at that time. They then sack their head coach, Steve Nash. They bring a bloke by the name of Jacques Jacques Vaughan um, in to coach them and turn their season around. Then KD goes down with an injury. And now, the latest, Kyrie Irving has requested a trade. Where could he possibly go? Could a reunion with LeBron uh, be on the cards? Plus, uh, in the NBL, the Sells NBL, that is, uh, plenty of signings, a lot of movement. I understand the Hawks Bay Hawks have been frantically signing uh, new and quite big names as well to their franchise, as well as ramifications for the Breakers. Uh, They uh, were waiting on a result last night, which did not go their way. That basically means that if they want to finish in second place this uh, season, they need to win. It's a must-win game in their next matchup. So to talk all of that, I couldn't think of anyone better than Justin Nelson. He used to be the GM of the NBL. Uh, He's been involved in basketball for many, many years, both broadcasting and in operations. Um, And I couldn't think of anyone better to come on and and uh, break all of that stuff down for uh, for us. Of course, it is a Saturday session, so we need to be talking cricket. There's a lot of cricket to talk. Kyle Jamieson back into the team. He's going to play the first test and then not the second test. That seems bizarre to me. I don't really know a lot about injury management, so I need to get someone on who does. Hamish Bennett will join us at about 11.30 to explain all of that. As well, of course, all of your sporting headlines we will go through throughout the show and after 12, we're going to take a couple of races as well around the 12.30 and 12.45. Mark, I understand, Ben, as well, that uh, we generally on the Saturday session, exp- explain the segment to to me, it's, it's picks to run
2: a mile from? Sporting tips you should run a mile from. <laughs>
1: So are these? So are these one? Are these tips that we'd like to throw out there, but not stand behind, basically.
2: No, we, we stand behind them. So usually, the, the the guys in our group chat, we will, if we get it right, we let everyone know about it. But it used to be put your house on it, right? So, we, but you all lost your houses. Yeah, we, we all lost our. I never owned a house, so another. But you oh. never will this way. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, it's, it's just we give our tips, but. You know, we, we do like to think they'll come through. It's it's more, it's more tips you're going with your your heart over your head or your gut, oh, essentially. I'm a
1: big vibe punter.
2: But I think I think you'll I think you'll appreciate this. A few times last year Grant Elliott did some tips and to me I thought they were absolutely outlandish. Mm. So instead of doing my own tip, I said I'm gonna go the exact opposite of Grant Elliot. And just bet against them. Yeah. Bet the house against short Grant Elliott. Yeah. And and, that- and I came I, I won. and then I thought, you know what, that worked, I'll do it again, and I won. Okay,
1: okay, well, I'll hit the TAB. I mean, we did it yesterday. Um, Sam Hewitt and I sat and watched uh, two games of basketball. We got on LeBron and Luka Doncic to score 65 points, 18 rebounds, and I think 15 or 16 assists. We were both so sure of it. We We were telling everyone out in the office to get on it, and a, and a lot of them did. So I think that's the exact kind of thing. It, it, it didn't come in, not even close. And I think that's the exact kind of uh, sporting tip that you need to run an absolute mile from. I can see Logan uh, feverishly working away out there in the office. He's scrambling around, plugging things in, unplugging things, yelling at his computer. So I think we'll take a quick break here. And with any luck, on the other side of this ad break, we will have that interview for you uh, from Dirk Nowitzki. Stay with us here on the Saturday Session Welcome back into the Saturday session for your Saturday morning. It's 10.21 on the 4th of February. Uh, We are absolutely flying through 2023. I think I've just gotten my head around calling it 2023 and not 2022. As we mentioned before, uh, we did manage to talk to Dirk Nowitzki. We're just trying to get that audio off the camera so that we can play it out uh, for you, including a startling prediction from the man himself about the Warriors 2023 season. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing that one back um all right in the meantime better let you know what's going on around the traps these are your sporting headlines anthony joshua has a comeback fight it's going to take place on the 1st of april at the o2 arena in london promoter eddie hearn has announced joshua is likely to fight american jermaine franklin who lost on points to dillian white last november with an official announcement expected next week joshua has lost his last two fights uh, both to unified heavyweight world champion and scary looking man, uh, Alexander Usyk. Uh, so, what are the ramifications of that one for Joseph Parker? You got to remember, I think um, you're a uh, you're a uh, uh, boxing fan. Sorry, my brain short circuited. You a boxing man at all, Ben? Francis? I do like boxing. Um, Heavyweights tend to fight later into their careers. Um, you know, Joseph Parker, I think, is, what, 31, 32? Um, he's very, very young. So I think, uh, you know, when he won in an unconvincing manner, there was a lot of people who were sort of poo-pooing uh, his career trajectory. There's a lot of Joseph Parker uh, left out there. And, I mean, Anthony Joshua, I feel like, I feel like their careers are on a trajectory to intersect.
2: You know what I mean? So are you anticipating them to potentially meet
1: again? Well, I think that they've both got a bit of, um, you know, they've both got a bit of recuperating, rebuilding to do um, in their careers. And I think that at one point or another, that eventually goes back through each other. Um, So I I don't know, me personally, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't, I mean, obviously, whenever we see a Kiwi doing really well on the world stage, we're always like, I hope they become the greatest of all time in their particular sport. Um, I don't think we'll ever see him fight Fury they seem to be too good of mates um, so that might ha- not happen but we could see him fight Joshua who by all accounts is still ducking Fury um, we carry on the Wellington Phoenix's four game win streak has come to an end after losing 3-1 to the Melbourne victory on Friday night the Phoenix have traditionally struggled away uh, away to the victory the last of their two wins against them at Amy Park occurring all the way back on April 2nd, 2017. Uh, Logan was telling us this morning that the last time that the uh, Phoenix won at Amy Park, Shane Smeltz was on the score sheet. Uh, Last night's match was the first of four in February across the Tasman for the Phoenix, who next play the MacArthur, uh, MacArthur FC next Sunday. And the Northern Braves Super Smash title defence remains alive and kicking after they beat the Central Stags by four wickets on Friday night, securing their place in next week's elimination final at the visitors' expense. After being sent one set rather 111 for victory, the Brave chased down the total with less than three overs to spare, thanks to a captain's knock from Jeet Raval, who top scored uh, with 49. That is your sporting headlines for this morning. At what point do we get into the Ocho? I really need to know, Ben. Uh, This is the one I'm looking forward to the most. We usually do it at the end of this hour. Okay, okay, I'm looking forward. Don't to
2: have it. to wait much longer.
1: Uh, we've got a text here, Jason. He's over in uh, Melbourne, Victoria. Uh, Minaya and Ben. Uh, this is a, here's a fun fact for you, Ben. My name auto corrects to Manaus when you try and spell it uh, in, on an iPhone. There's a city in the Brazilian jungle. Uh, Manaus and Ben. How long have you both worked in New Zealand media for? Where did you boys work before? NZ. Which leaders inspired you on your lives? Um, uh, I don't
2: know yourself, Ben. You. What year am I? I'm into year seven I think. Mm. Started off at News Hub, I was there for five years.
1: And here you are now. And I, and
2: I did a whole lot of freelance stuff before that as well.
1: Who inspired you in your life mate? Winston Peters. Winston Peters, really? Why, what was it about him? Just the, the a dogged determination? A longevity?
2: His quotes, his,
1: his, his mana. Oh, okay, fine. Um, Where did you boys work before ECNZ? I worked for another sports uh, company, Sports Media Outlet. And the leaders that inspired me in my life were uh, people that I worked with in jobs that I had before I worked in radio, where I thought there's got to be an easier way than this. Surely, surely there's a way I can do minimal work. Um, and still call it a job. Uh, And I I guess talking to Dirk Nowitzki probably ticks that box. Again, we are still working through trying to get that audio uh, to you. But before when I was talking about um, uh, Kyrie Irving who's requested a trade, Ben, uh, Bill Simmons used to, back when he used to write, he used to write a yearly uh, trade column and it was basically ranking the top sort of 30 or 40 trade candidates in terms of their value. Uh, and, and likelihood of, of getting traded. Kyrie Irving, you would think, would be one of the, the highest on that, uh, on that ladder, wouldn't it be, Ben? You'd, you'd think he'd be a pretty... Or is he too much of a cancer to, uh, to teams to take onto their roster?
2: Put it this way, if I was a general manager of an NBA team, I would not have Kyrie, Kyrie Irving on my team. I mean, this is, what, two trade
1: requests now that he's made this year. Um, This is a guy who forced his way out of Cleveland when him and LeBron had just won the championship in 2016, uh, basically citing that he wanted to run his own team. He basically got churned out of the Boston Celtics. He was there for, what, a year, two years um, and they they pretty much drove him to the airport and said we'll catch you later on Kyrie, uh, we'll see you later and then uh, found his way into uh, Brooklyn, where it's been tumultuous from the get go. Where do you think he's going to end up? Do you think that LeBron would ever bring Kyrie back into the fold? Because the Lakers need someone. They need something.
2: To be honest, I don't care where he goes. As as long as it's not Miami, because that's a team I still have a a bit of a soft spot for. Yes, you support the Heat? I do support the Heat. I I don't really watch as much basketball as I used to, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But I, I just don't want him anywhere near... My the team that I follow I also like Memphis because of the Steven Adams factor as well yes. and I also like the fact that they used to be the Grizzlies or Vancouver Grizzlies because yes. I love those old school uniforms absolutely but uh, yeah I wouldn't want them anywhere near so I've got this quote here and to me this, this is why it pretty much sums up why I wouldn't, wouldn't want a Kyrie Irving on my team you can bring in the best stars into a bad culture, they will become bad performers. If the culture is strong enough, new people become the culture. If the culture is weak, the culture becomes the new people. And I feel like if I bring in a new person like a Kyrie Irving, he will make that a bad culture. Oh, 100%. I think that's that's without doubt. Um,
1: but if the, if the rumours were to be believed when that super team was initially formed, I think Kyrie was... Uh, Kevin Durant was the first one to sign there, then Kyrie... Uh, then James Harden,
2: you would presume that they've all talked to each other and wanted to go there. When has a Brooklyn Super Team ever worked though? It hasn't. Even when they've when they even when they went from the New Jersey Nets to the Brooklyn Nets, mm,
1: Jay Z was the owner, and it turned out he owned one they, percent.
2: They well, they pretty much brought in the two thousand and eight Celtics winning side. They did with a whole lot of other pieces, like I think Deron Williams. Yep. Uh, joe johnson joe johnson they just brought in a whole lot of people like that and it just didn't mesh so every time brooklyn has tried to do this it has never worked so when this actually first happened i wasn't surprised because this has happened before it's nothing new brooklyn it just super teams just don't work in brooklyn
1: does our and this is probably blasphemous to even ask but does our our uh, sean marks deserve any of the blame if we're handing out slices of blame pie does he get one
2: he he does to an extent, but that is only because in his position of power, when things go wrong, you are the fall guy, essentially. It's,
1: Despite whether it actually was your fault yeah, or not.
2: Yeah, it could have been the owner who said, look, get me these people, we want to bring a ring. Mm. And it's unfortunately because Sean Marks is in that position, that makes him the fall guy. It's, the, And I guess on paper, you, know, you put that team
1: together, if you're playing a PlayStation game and you can put that team together, no one would want to play against you. You've got all the superstars on one team. You would win every time. So you can't fault a guy for turning the franchise around like that, can you?
2: Yeah, but you, you, how, how often do you see in the NBA, though, a guy who will play – in a, in a team system and he is a very good player but as soon as he goes to another team he is, is absolutely dreadful because the team that he's gone to he's just gone for the money but the team he, he has gone to it doesn't suit his style mm. it doesn't suit him personally yep. and then we we end up with all these guys who are on big contracts and end up getting released and yep. around this time and then they go sign with a championship contender
1: and they're back to their old selves again
2: Almost like that yeah Yeah. so because they've got that lesser role there's not as much expected of them Mm -hmm. but it happens so often in the NBA now where guys just go from one team take that big paycheck and they just never perform because they, they were playing in a system playing with guys that just suited them well and now they don't I don't think many players really think of that they just want the money.
1: Well, and it, I can completely understand when it's it's generational wealth that they're, <laughs> they're getting as well. These are twenty, thirty million dollar guaranteed contracts, often for three or four years. That's sort of a hundred million dollars, and you know your your career isn't promised to you. You could blow your knee out tomorrow and then be then be gone. So I can completely understand why, but it does make it frustrating when you are following one of those teams. So if we've got any Brooklyn fans uh, f- uh, listening, please get in touch. 0800 150 811 or double eight double three on the text line that is the temper and post. text line temper and post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so even if you're nervous about interviewing an NBA legend you can still put your head and feet up in comfort and get a great night's sleep mark is calling in we're going to go to a quick ad break uh, if you can stick around we might have a yarn to him after that we'll be right back 10.37 on the Saturday session on SENZ. Minaya in the studio with you, Dan McCarty, away on a break this weekend. And earlier this week, oh, earlier this morning, rather, uh, real bucket list stuff for me. Got to meet an absolute hero of mine, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, down there at Foot Locker, great friends of the station, uh, was able to ask him a few questions. Um, and this is how it sounded. Right, Dirk, well, first of all, mate, congratulations on making it all the way to the back end of the world. What brings you to New Zealand?
3: Well, originally it started, uh, this tour started in Australia, did a little basketball promo, you know, I played with, with Chris Anstey for a year, we stayed in touch, and uh, he invited me down here to do some stuff in Australia, and, and, uh, and, he's, and I said, well, while I'm all the way down here already, and I brought my family, we might as well stop in New Zealand and have a good time, and, and show my family that, uh, this beautiful country, so uh, that's what brought us here, and we're excited. Yeah, we're excited to
1: have you. You've met my producer over there, Ben. Okay, ben. Uh, ben reckons he can windmill dunk. What do you reckon? Windmill dunk? That guy right
3: there. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. He doesn't look like it, but uh, I've been surprised before.
1: Yes, shock athleticism. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that's near and dear to our hearts here in New Zealand, the 2002 FIBA World Championships. You robbed us of a bronze medal. What does it mean to you to play for your, uh, your home country?
3: Uh, it's been always a pleasure uh, and an honour to obviously... Uh, represent my country internationally, play, play so many games, and travel around the world, even as a junior, and uh, it's, it's always something special to, to play for your country. So, sorry about 2002. <laughs> I actually, I saw Kirk Penny last night no. and, and Dylan uh, we, we stayed in touch over the years, actually Kirk Penny is, is uh, with the same FIBA players commission that I'm on so uh, we, we're constantly in touch and I saw him, uh, saw him a little bit last night, it was good to see the boys. Someone that
1: hasn't turned out for the Tall Blacks yet is uh, Stephen Adams, I know you've played uh, against him, we'll talk about that in a second but would you love to see Stephen Adams uh, turning out for the Tall Blacks?
3: Yeah I mean uh, of course it's, it's always uh, the, every person's decision uh, with, the, with family involved and uh, you know, everybody has to decide what's what's best for their for their career. Um, but maybe eventually he'll uh, he play some a few games. It'll be great for for you guys. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he's a beast. You yeah. know, he's he's a great rebounder, great finisher in there. He's super tough. So I mean, any team that he's on is is, is better off.
1: You played against him 20 times in your career, I don't know if you knew that, but uh, what, did it, what did it feel like the next morning after playing against Steven Adams?
3: I mean, he's just uh, so tough from the beginning. Uh, just always knows where to be, where, where to set the screens, great rebounder, great, great role player, great finisher in there, uh, sneaky athletic. And what I love about him most is he cares about the team, you know, he doesn't care about uh, individual stats. Uh, when, when he helps his team win, that's, uh, that's when he's happy and that's, uh, that's, that's the guy you want on your team.
1: What do you make of the Warriors this year? It's our year. Yes, we got it. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. <laughs> yeah, you heard it there from uh, the man himself, Dirk Nowitzki, big fan of the uh, One New Zealand Warriors. Joining me in the studio right now is uh, Smithy's producer, Logan. Uh, Swink Dog, you filmed the whole thing this morning. How nervous was I? I'm not sure who was more sweaty,
4: you or I, because it was very hot there in the <laughs> the foot locker on Queen Street. You definitely were nervous, mate. I yeah. know we sort of talk about uh, you know who is the most famous person you've ever interviewed mm-hmm. coming up against a seven foot Dirk,
1: <laughs>
4: That's something else. I mean i I I mean I'm what five ten, you're six, six, one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've interviewed guys like Chris Johnson, who's like six, nine, and I mean, that's embarrassing enough when you basically have to crane your neck up to even look at them. I was uh, looking
1: straight up his nostrils, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah. I thought you did well, mate. I mean, it is such a situation to be in. Pretty nervous, but I mean, great stuff there. Obviously, uh, awesome to hear that he was hanging out with uh, Kirk Penny and yes. uh, Dylan Belcher.
1: I honestly, so I was going to ask him, I was going to do a little quiz, which I. Um, got Too nervous and forgot about uh, was uh, to name the player, the Kiwi player, other than Stephen Adams and Sean Marks, who's played in the NBA. Um, obviously, Aaron Baines was born in Gisborne, but he's technically an Aussie. But Kirk <laughs> Penny played six games in the NBA. I honest, I pulled out because I didn't think he would know who Kirk Penny was. Well, turns out, that mate, yeah, and uh, clearly he would nail that quiz, yeah, he would have. I'm glad I didn't ask him then. <laughs> um, and then obviously talking to him about playing for, for his country and, you know, he mentioned that there's, it's each player's decision. It's such a tough one, particularly for Stephen Adams, you know, like he's getting paid ungodly amounts of money over there. And I think while you're in the prime of your career, his team is more or less a contender this year. You, you do have to sort of put your priorities um, in order don't you and, and I I think Dirk obviously like he said he'd love to see him play for New Zealand but you know he's he's got his own stuff to work out
4: yeah I think that's where I'm at with Stephen Adams playing for the Tall Blacks as well yeah I'd love to see it happen sure it's going to happen somewhere down the road and I think it probably would likely be more in the tail end of his career you know he's yeah you don't want to play a, you know a feeble window match
1: get hurt and then you've screwed your NBA team right mm, 100% and um and I think you know whatever I think he may have a grievance or two with New Zealand basketball about the way that they supported him or the lack thereof um, during you know when he was coming up. So I don't know. It was just good to hear Dirk saying that he was keen to uh, to see him out there in the in the black jersey.
4: Just another man in Stephen Adams' corner for sure. Yeah, um, I, I think the best the best time for Stephen Adams
1: to come put on the black jersey is an Olympic time. Yeah, 100%. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Um, ben, he didn't seem too confident in your dunking abilities, uh, did he? I don't know. He could have just been doing it for the interview. Yeah, he might have been playing up for the cameras he a little bit. He could have been intimidated. He could have been intimidated. He did He did size you up. He sort of had a little look and he was like, oh, yeah, this guy here. Well, I am 6'5". You are 6'5". Um, and you allegedly could windmill dunk. I said I did it once. Well, that, that counts as having windmill dunked. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I know you're feverishly working your way out there, but I don't know whether it'll be today, but that, that video will be out on uh, social media at some point.
4: Yeah, we'll get it up onto the uh, SNZ YouTube uh, Smart this week. So, you know, if you haven't subscribed to that... SNZ radio on YouTube hit us up
1: yeah it was uh, it was excellent thanks very much for filming all of that uh, Logan it was it felt like it went for three hours turns out it went for three minutes um, but we were very pressed for time as I mentioned there were about 500 people uh, waiting outside so if you missed it uh, we will put that bit of audio up. Um, well you can obviously go back and listen to the podcast of this show we're going to play it again uh, later on in the show because that's probably the coolest thing I'll do today I would be shocked if something tops it um, we're going to go to a quick air break and then the thing I've been looking forward to uh, all morning we're going to the Ocho 10.49 on the Saturday session with Mania and Vidan McCarty this morning uh, it is the 4th of February that's a Saturday happy Waitangi weekend to you hopefully you've got a decent break off over this time it is now time for the Ocho, ESPN 8, the quirky and bizarre sports stories that you may have missed. Now, crashes are far from uncommon in cycling, but it's rare the sport witnesses a pile up so problematic that it ends the race altogether. So spectators were stunned when a crash at the Star of Besieges. Besieges, am I pronouncing that right? Uh put such a strain on medical personnel. That stage two had to shut down before the finish. Team Total Energy cyclist Valentin Ferrand uh, was left fighting uh, to stay on solid ground after he was left hanging from a bridge due to the rush of riders in one spot. Over 40 people were involved in the crash and the stage had to be called off as there were not enough medical staff uh, to attend to the injured. That reminded me I went to the Gloucester Cheese Roll one day. Stop me if you've heard this story. But the, um, that's where they chased that wheel of cheese down the side of a, essentially a grass cliff over there in uh, England. Mark Ellis won it one year. You will have seen it on the news. Well, uh, the medical staff, like uh, ambulances won't go there because it's an unsanctioned event. So the local rugby team will stand at the bottom of the hill and catch anybody who comes flying down the bottom. Perhaps this bike race uh, could benefit from something like that. Uh, Pile-ups, not, not uncommon, But uh, something on that scale? Ridiculous. This one was good. I saw this one the other day live in action. NBA star Dylan Brooks left rival Donovan Mitchell furious. As a cheap shot towards his sensitive area sparked a mass brawl and caused the duo, both of them, to be ejected. Cleveland Cavaliers guard uh, Mitchell and Memphis Grizzlies opponent Brooks became embroiled in an ugly scuffle in the third quarter of Thursday's clash. Brooks had a big layup, was blocked by the Cavaliers, who were leading 81-76, and was knocked to the floor. Uh, Brooks was as Mitchell grabbed the ball. Brooks then rolled up and uh, rolled over, rather, and swung up to hit Mitchell, connecting with the 26-year-old's groin region. Mitchell clearly incensed by Brooks below the belt shot, retaliated by launching the ball towards him with the pair both on the ground under the basket. One of those uh, hold me back moments ensued. I think one of the highlights for me of this, uh, there was a security guard who ran in to try and break up the uh, the fracas, and as he came running in, uh, he I think stumbled or tripped, ended up tackling one of the players, um, just pretty much just about cleaned him out. Um, did you you would have you would have seen this fight? Ben, I initially thought that the issue was Brooks rolled over onto Donovan Mitchell's knee, Um, but no, upon further replay, there have been a couple of instances in this. Most famously, uh, Draymond Green hit LeBron uh, and was uh, suspended for a game in the 2016 finals, and I think it was Draymond Green as well kicked Stephen Adams in the exact same
2: situation. The only time Stephen Adams has ever reacted to getting hit (laughs) because if you remember early in his career, I think it was Vince Carter elbowed him in the head. I think Zach Randolph was another one that elbowed him in the head. No, I think
1: Zach Randolph threw a punch at him.
2: And he just didn't flinch. And there's been quite a few incidences where Stephen Adams has been involved and he just usually just stands there and he's like, is that all you've got? That all you got, mate.
1: Yeah, people always call him the um you know, some people the miss, grubbiest. Yeah, people call him grubby, but I don't think that's quite right because he's never intentionally doing any well, of that kind well, of
2: stuff. I, the way I look at it is that he's not he's not being grubby. For me, that like when I look at what he does, I'm like, that's the way I was taught to play basketball. So to me, that is how we play basketball down here. We it's a very key we way of playing basketball. Well, it's a contact sport, well, isn't it? Exactly, it is. Like my my coach told me when I played at school, he Wendell said. When Bill Dunk it, he he didn't say that. He said he he would tell me like be a pest. He said just drop elbows in. He said just do things like that because that that will irritate them. He said just do things like that, as so that's as so that's what I did. I just every time I got the chance, he had to just drop a, a bow. Just just drop an elbow in there, yeah.
1: Um, And I don't think that, uh, I I honestly don't think that Stephen Adams does any of that stuff uh, maliciously. Like, I don't think that, I don't even think that it enters his mind to be niggly like that. I just think that over in America, they've got a different idea of what tough is, and to them, tough is getting up and throwing the ball at someone and mouthing off and, you know, going into the press conference afterwards like Donovan Mitchell uh, did and said that he's been busting Dylan Brooks for, for years um, and that's why he blew up. But Kiwis are more just do you talking on the floor, don't you? But it's it's like the hard screens as well that he yeah. sets, and he absolutely absolutely floors. Demolishes people. Yeah. Um, and, and as um, a dear friend of mine and the show and the station as well, Dirk Nowitzki said earlier, uh, Stephen Adams is just is the way that he cares for his teammates. Every team's better for having him on it. Jar Morant went in for a layup the other day or a dunk, um, and as he was falling, Stephen Adams caught him. Immediate.
2: Here, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Would you rather be on the receiving end of one of these Stephen Adams screens? Oh, whatever the next thing is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, you're going to have to try tackle Jerry CEC C. 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 running at you.
1: Yeah, so Hmm. Ex-
2: <laughs> see, see, both... It's a hard, tough one, isn't it? Jerry
1: you C. 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 can run faster than I can, so I'm going to take me running into the Stephen Adams screen because I'm only running into him as hard as I can run. He's not running into me. So I think that, uh, that that's probably the one that I'm going to take. Um, if you missed it, again, we will be playing out the Dirk Nowitzki uh, audio later on in the show. He talks about what it's like to come up against uh, Stephen Adams, Um, and just from the way that Dirk walks these days it can't be too pleasant Um, also in the next hour we've got plenty to talk we're going to keep the basketball chat going with Justin Nelson he's going to join us just on the other side of this plus we're going to be talking cricket uh, as we do each week on the Saturday session this week Hamish Bennett is going to join us to talk all things Kyle Jamison what went wrong over in India and where he sees uh, the Black Caps at the moment mere months out from yet another cricket world cup stay with us here on the saturday session we'll be right back after this uh, just gone 11 o'clock rather on your Saturday morning, this is the Saturday session uh, with Maniah in for Dan McCarty who will be back I understand next week. Plenty going on in the world of basketball so to break all of it down in the various leagues, I uh, couldn't think of anyone better to join me this morning than Justin Nelson, Sky Sports Head of Commercial and Events.
5: Good morning Justin, how's your morning been so far? Hey, very good morning to you and how great is it to see you out of bed before one o'clock on a Saturday afternoon? You're growing up.
1: You've uh, you've picked up on something there. You're right. Uh, initially, when I got the text this morning saying, "Oh, could, could you could you come in and do this show today?", I drafted a message back to our boss saying, "I'll oh, probably not." Well, he se- he sent back a message. I couldn't say no to Justin. He said, "Well, how about I dangle this carrot for you?" You could interview Dirk Nowitzki this morning. Yeah, I, I went down to Footlocker. Um, uh, uh, mate of yours, Brooke Rusko, was down there as well. Yeah, Um yeah. and yeah, was was able to steal three minutes of Dirk Nowitzki's time to ask him a couple of questions. Man, I'm I'm still shaking. I couldn't believe how bloody nervous I was.
5: Where, where how good you? is that? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's incredible. He's he's out this way at the moment. He's been in Australia the last few weeks um, with some speaking engagements and, and working alongside uh, one of his former Dallas teammates, uh, Aussie Chris Anstey, uh, has had Dirk out in uh, in Melbourne and, and Sydney and uh, stopping through New Zealand on the way back home. What a legend of the game, absolute superstar. I had the pleasure of seeing him in his last season oh, wow. over there with the Mavs and um, I uh, was fortunate enough. Uh, through a contact to be down in the, the tunnel before the game with some other fans, and the players come through and they you know, high-five everyone on the way out to the court. And I remember when the Mavs were running out, all the young bucks for the Mavs, they just breeze by everyone, just sprint out to the court, and you barely see a glimpse of them, a split second, they just run straight past you as if you're not there. Dirk Nowitzki, on the other hand, shuffled his way through all of those fans, and he high-fived every single one of them. Amazing.
1: Oh, he's just such a nice guy. As soon as he walks (laughs) into the room, he, um, you know, just greeted everyone. Um, as I was just saying before, we had a bit of an awkward moment where just I nodded in his direction. He took it as a bow. Courteously, he bowed back to me, <laughs> <laughs> which was absolutely bizarre. Well, look, while we're talking uh, NBA, let's let's stay on the NBA. I don't know if you've seen the story that came out yes, in just in the last news. couple of hours. Big news: the trade deadline is this coming Thursday, American time, which I believe is Friday, our time. Kyrie Irving. Is this the second, third trade request we've had just this season from him?
5: Well, there's been a few that come out of the nets over the years as well, and Kyrie's certainly been in the thick of it. Amazingly, we've been talking about this trade deadline coming up, and it seems like we've been talking about it for weeks. You know, Feb 9, that's the big date, and we've just been waiting for something big to drop, and... It's only the last uh, probably a couple of days where you know just the silence uh, was was deafening. Surely yeah. something big uh, wasn't too far around the corner. And then of course Kyrie has tipped it all on its head today by saying, "Hey, either trade me, or once we get uh, through this season free agency, I'm out of here." And uh, not surprisingly. The team that has been mentioned, as they always are with just about every trade request that goes down in the NBA, the LA Lakers. Mm. So we'll wait and see what happens. Do you think LeBron would ever uh, welcome Kyrie back into a team of his? It's interesting, isn't it? You, you, You don't quite understand or know uh the byplay that goes on with all of these things. There's no doubt there's there's friendships, and uh, there's uh, uh, less than uh, uh, friendships or acquaintances <laughs> that go on amongst the NBA players. That's probably the nicest way to put it. It's hard to tell. who knows. Um certainly at LeBron's age, we know he's got some massive records coming up. I mean, mm-hmm. tickets at the moment selling to his potential game that he goes past that scoring record. You know, they're now up in the $80,000 mark. It's quite remarkable what's happening there. He wants to win championships. You know, he knows he hasn't got too many years left. Does Kyrie help him? Does he welcome him back in with open arms? Who knows? A lot to play out in the next uh, five or six days. Is that
1: team even salvageable? Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of the stories are all around just the fact that it's LA, it's Tinseltown, uh, and it's LeBron James. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, a bit closer to home, mate. We uh, we'll, we'll, Let's go to the breakers. They needed a result to go their way last night, didn't they? And it didn't.
5: No, it didn't. But the upside is they now know what they have to do. The way that this final round has structured, they've had two games. And in between, uh, Cairns have been playing. And what a win they had last night in Perth. Well done to them. Mm. But right now, the Breakers now know what they need to do tonight against Brisbane. They win. They're in the top two. And they're sitting pretty. They're in the best possible chance to make a run at winning the championship this season. So the good news for them is they now know exactly what they need to do. They've got to go out and win tonight.
1: How much harder does the road get for them if they drop this one tonight?
5: Well, you, you work your way into that playoff tournament. So, you know, you can barely afford any mistakes, at least in the top two. You get to sit back and see the other four teams battle it out. It is the best position to be in. Um, so it does become harder, there's no doubt. Uh, Look, I think they win tonight. They know what they have to do. They'll go out and do it. There's a little bit of an injury question mark over Barry Brown Jr. um, with a hand injury. Hopefully, uh, he's okay. But look, they're in form. Even when they're 16 down the other night against Illawarra, Mm. Uh, they were able to, you know, put 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 the foot down, turn the gas up, and get going again, and uh, and got the win, and got the win quite well in the end. So I think they win tonight. I think they wrap up second. They're in form. They're definitely one of the in-form teams in the competition right now, and I think they're going to give this thing a real shake.
1: You mentioned that they're in form at the moment. It, it felt like they were on the verge of almost a slump, uh, probably about this time a month ago. What what do you chalk that up to? Was it road fatigue with their injury? Concerns and how have they managed to sort of regather that form again to round out the season?
5: I think every team goes through a time in a season, especially one as grueling as as a season where you've got to travel all the time, which obviously the breakers do need to take on more travel than most you always go through that period of time where things aren't going right. And I don't think they were overly playing badly through that four-game losing streak, weren't hitting their shots, maybe giving up a few too many turnovers and needed to do some work on the defensive glass. And as soon as they uh, found their stride again, and it was that win in Sydney, that was the one that did it. They went in without Izzy Liafa, they went in without Barry Brown Jr. They got the win against the top team in the competition. And from there, they haven't looked back
1: If we uh, move a little closer to home, uh, news stories are starting to flood uh, everyone's news feed about the Cells NBL. uh, The moving and shaking has started. I guess it starts at the top as well. They've appointed a new GM of leagues. Um, Marie Taylor, do you know Marie at all?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Marie uh, was uh, operations manager during my time at the... uh, at the NBL uh, for three years. And, um, you know, I've worked closely with Marie through those three years. And since then, uh, obviously in, in my next role now. And look, she's she's one of the best administrators I've ever worked with, not, not just here in New Zealand. I, I think she's right up in the top few administrators here in this country. Um, and certainly one of the best I've worked with across New Zealand and uh, and Australia. Very unassuming. Doesn't like the accolades. Doesn't like the pats on the back. Very much loves to work in the background. She steps up to the top job now. And I can tell all basketball fans out there, uh, and certainly fans of both the Sells NBL and the GJ gardner Homes To'ihi competition, uh, you've got yourself a damn fine uh, leader. She is absolutely one of the best going around. And
1: contracts starting to be signed. I mean, you mentioned how many uh, fans there are. The Sells NBL really feels like it's going from strength to strength. And when you think about last season, um, I think this one of the standout moments for me was uh, that Rob Lowe performance. Yeah. Dunks, step back threes, overtime, all of that kind of stuff. He's just re-upped with the Tuataro again for another season. How big? How big is that for them?
5: Yeah, huge, especially if Chris Johnson comes back in, which he's expected to. That, you know, that twin tandem, the twin towers of Rob Lowe and Chris Johnson, is going to create havoc again in the cells NBL this season. Rob Lowe, I mean, who who will ever forget that turn of events mm-hmm. against the Ayers during the final six last year? It was quite something, uh, spectacular to to watch. And you know, someone like Rob Lowe for a moment like that, absolutely worth every cent uh, that he earns. And He'll be bringing with confidence as well. Uh, he'll want to come back in and do a great job. He's one of the best in the competition. The Tuatara, interestingly, have just held back. I know they've been very, very active and busy in the background. That hasn't uh, come out publicly yet because they've been focused on their, their you know, their baseball aspirations mm-hmm. in the in the ABL, but that's now done and dusted. I think you're going to see the Tuatara over the next uh, week or two. Uh, make some very very big announcements, but Rob Lowe wasn't the only one during the week. There's mm-hmm. been a few. Uh, Jordan Artai for me uh, was an interesting one. You would think the Prince of Potirua Saints <laughs> through and through. He's played a lot of basketball for the Wellington Saints. He's joined his uh, his new mate, uh, not his new mate, always been a mate, but the new GM at the Hawks Bay Hawks, Jared Kenny. What a signing that was for him.
1: Yeah, tremendous. Uh, It's becoming a lot more of a, like you mentioned, he he stayed in Wellington for a long time, hometown kid. It's becoming a lot more of a a professional league in the sort of same mould as some of the other leagues. I don't want to compare it to the NBA, but that sort of
5: thing. Is that becoming more prevalent in the Sells NBL? Well, I think the big change, uh, Minaya, was a few years ago when the new salary system came in. It now means, uh, and certainly with the support of, of Sky, it now means that every team, has the capability of reaching the capacity of that salary system. And with that, there's more money for players because all the teams can reach that limit, whereas in the past, one or two could spend big and the rest were struggling to to keep up. We now see a far more balanced competition. Anybody can beat anybody on any night. And importantly, because that you know the money is there and it's spread across the entire competition, the players are moving around a bit and that's adding some real depth, real talent to every team and it's good to see. And some
1: talking points on a Saturday morning show on NZ as well. If we stick with the, uh, the Taylor Hawks, uh, Hiram Harris is the other signing that's making a bit of noise. What sort of impact is he going to have on that team? What kind of player is he?
5: Yeah, huge. Look, he could come out and be one of the best players in the competition this season. He's had another very good year, very solid year, playing an important role for the Adelaide 36ers in the Aussie NBL. He's another year older, another year experienced. Still a young man. He's got the ability to do it all. He's a a walking triple-double potentially in every game. Does a bit of everything. Both ends of the floor. He's a two-way player. Uh, a delight for any coach to have. Everard Bartlett, former Tall Black, first year as coach of the Hawks. So far, Jared Hunt, uh, um, uh, Jordan Hunt, I should say, Hiram Harris, and uh, Jordan Artai. Three Tall Blacks already announced for the Hawks.
1: And uh, if we head down south as well, uh, we're a little bit biased towards this team. But our Otago Nuggets—they've re-signed Brent Matahide for a uh, for another year. He's, he's such a good bloke. We've had him on. Um, we've had him on the show. And you know the turnaround that that franchise has had. They must be stoked to have him back back on board.
5: Well, how can you not? He uh, stepped in. Uh, The 2020 showdown, of course, during that uh, COVID-impacted season where we had the bubble in in Auckland. The draft, the famous draft now, where, ironically, the Nuggets picked up Jordan Nartai, Jared Kenny, and Jordan Hunt. And those three are now back together at the Hawks. (laughs) First time those three have been back together since they were at the Nuggets in 2020. Brent Matahari got a championship in 2020, and then, of course, last year. How memorable was that for the Nuggets? They win the title in 22. He's won two championships in three years. Great to have him as coach.
1: And and gave up his job, I understand, as well, to go back and do that. So a real bet-on-yourself uh, situation, wasn't it? Great to see that kind of thing uh, rewarded. Well, thanks very much for coming on the show this morning. Justin, uh, what does the rest of your weekend look like, Matt? <sighs>
5: Uh, yeah, look, it's pretty busy. There's a lot of sport coming up. Mm. You know, if I put my sky hat on, basketball's just one thing. Super rugby's not too far away. Opiki, ANZ Premiership, like smorgasbord of sport coming up in New Zealand this year, not just domestically. World Cup, of course, mid-year. It's a really exciting time for sports enthusiasts uh, right across Aotearoa. Just can't wait for it. Uh, it's going to be a busy few weeks and uh, we're not too far away from that whistle blowing on all of these leagues.
1: Brilliant. Well, I can't wait to uh, have you back on again to discuss it all. Thanks very much, Justin. Appreciate your time. Speak soon. 19 on your SENZ Saturday session. Mania and for McCarty, but we will be talking uh, cricket in about 10 minutes' time or so. We've got uh, Hamish Bennett, who now lives over in Australia. He himself has got a bit of uh, a bit of experience with recovering from injuries and coming back into the playing group, so keen to pick his brain on how they're managing uh, this Kyle Jamison injury. Uh, understanding is he's going to be playing the first test, and then he won't be playing the second test. So I'd love to get the uh, the thought process behind that. We just caught up with Justin Nelson, former GM of the NBL, uh, on the on the new GM who's just been appointed. All of the signings and the sales NBL that have been uh, coming through and uh, some of the ramifications of last night's match for the Breakers and then also tonight's match. From the sounds of it, second place is more or less sewn up. If you listen to Justin, he reckons that tonight will be a W uh, for the Breakers. How good is it having them back? Another team that's going to be back in the country. Now calling this the uh, the homecoming season, there were a couple of homecoming games last year and they were... Uh, I don't know. It was uh, something spiritual about them, but the Warriors are coming home. The One New Zealand Warriors, as they're called this year. You can catch exclusive One New Zealand, uh, the exclusive One New Zealand Warriors pre season fixture uh, this Thursday by becoming a member today. Use code SENZ23, that's SENZ23, at checkout to receive 10% off your membership. Memberships start from just $25, which is pretty cheap. Uh, You can visit warriors.kiwi to find out more. Ben, are you a. you strike me as the kind of guy who would be a
2: seasoned member. I would be if it wasn't for my conflicting hours. You're often working while the games are on, aren't you? Well, I'm often working on the weekends, which doesn't leave a lot of time to <laughs> get to games, but I have previously been a member, yes. I had an
1: idea for the Warriors' um, season membership pack, because you get a little bit of merch with it when you sign up as well. They'll send you out a hat, um, you get a wee lanyard, a few little bits and bobs. Scarf, I've had a scarf. You've had a scarf before. Um, have you ever had a stress ball?
2: <laughs> no, I haven't. That would actually be very good because I'm a nail biter. Are you? Okay. So I, I always bite my nails when the games are on and they are very tight. I am literally just nibbling away, <laughs> and, and I, I and I cannot stop. Um, well.
1: As I mentioned, uh, copious amounts throughout this show. We did talk to Dirk Nowitzki. uh, There's a link to, I believe, that chat, the audio of that chat up now on Twitter, isn't there, Ben? Um, You can go and listen to that. Right at the end of that, asked him a question about our one New Zealand Warriors, um, whether it was our year or not. Um, And Dirk Nowitzki
2: believes it is, doesn't he? Um, He does. I think. he He probably really didn't know, though. I think you kind of... Pressured him into saying it. Do you think that I
1: actually fed him the line directly before I asked him the question? I would say so. You if, might, I, if I was a
2: betting man,
1: you might have been right. Um, and you are a betting man. We will get to our uh, tips to run a mile, sporting tips to run a mile from uh, later on. I've got a, I've got a couple of doozies. They're all going to be basketball related, as is the theme of the show today. Um, the talking about the stress ball, talking about biting your fingernails, and talking about the warriors starting up. Um, is it just this Thursday? I can't believe how, how quickly that's come around. Uh, even with all the CBA stuff going on, whether they'll start on time, whether they won't start, whether the uh, whether the All-Stars game is going to go ahead next week, put all of that aside, do you think you'll be biting your nails a little bit less this season, Ben, because of the depth that we've got at the Warriors?
2: I don't know if it'd be biting my nails less. As a fan of the Warriors... Mm. You just want to see them do well and what I mean by that is if they lose, of course that sucks but you kind of want to see the effort and then those losses don't hurt as much. Mm-hmm. I, I've said that the the Warriors' best period since the, Nathan, uh, sorry, the Ivan Cleary era was when Todd Payton was in charge. Yeah. So I think during that stretch, the Panthers, they went on like a 15-game one streak. Yes. And I think they lost in the final, or they lost a game before the final. But other than that loss, the team which actually had the closest score line to them was the Warriors. I think it was about six or seven points. Mm-hmm. And I remember that game and they lost, which was disappointing, but I walked away from it feeling good because I was like, you know, they put in a really good effort. Had a crack. So if, if the players and the team are showing that the effort there, then, yeah, you probably won't be as de- disappointed as previous years. But from what it sounds like is that Andrew Webster is going to be given time, which is something that no coach since Ivan Cleary left has had really. Other, You could probably say Andrew McFadden to an extent. Yep. I don't think uh, Stephen Kearney had a bit of time, but... It never fourth,
1: felt like that with Stephen Kearney, though, did it? No, but... He always felt like he was under pressure.
2: It he, he always felt like he was under pressure, and, uh, and if it hadn't been for that five-game win streak to start the 2018 season, because mm-hmm. after that they pretty much went win-loss, 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 there was just never that consistency, and that was, I guess that was probably why the, that pressure was there, because it, it was never consistent mm-hmm. with, with under Stephen Kearney. So from the sounds of it, it sounds like they're trying to get these systems back in place, which is great, mm-hmm. but it's also a real shame because they're all systems they had in place before. And now that it's literally, and it's not because of COVID, it's because uh, Eric Watson pretty much got rid of them away. Like he pretty much didn't want to do the under 20 system anymore, so they stopped investing in that, which was a big reason why the Warriors had that success. And it literally feels like we're going back 10, 12 years, which is a real shame, but also hoping that this is going to be the start of something yes. better.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting that you raise that point because. It's, it's like you say. It's almost as if we've gone back ten years, but but we have. If you know what I mean, we are actually in that situation. So to see them bringing back the uh, the SG Ball teams, the Jersey Fleet teams, um, put and putting club legends in there. Adam Blair is going to be is coaching one of those teams. They've brought back guys like Whiteanga Korpu who you know when i saw the story initially and he's going to be a cultural ambassador i sort of thought, what's that does that like what is that role then you see photos you see videos he's out there working with them one of the issues that you and i have talked about and every warriors fan has talked about is a loss of identity for the one new zealand warriors um and i think bringing all of those guys back in like you say bringing in the age grade competitions which we always dominated at um that really above everything else gives me hope for the future of the warriors because Every season and at this period of the year, every single year and every single club is saying, we're we we we're really excited about this. This player's going to be M medalist of the year. Where the coach is saying this, this and this. And all that stuff is nice. Um, but, you know, you hear it every year and then when the season starts you sort of see same teams doing the exact same stuff again. I think where it feels different this year, and I'll probably say this every year, uh, being a tragic Warriors supporter, maybe this is just me hoping and wishing where it feels different is that what you see, you know, the videos from the training, all the stuff that you see coming out of the uh, the the Warriors camp, all of the action that's happening. I feel like that makes me more excited than you know a coach or a GM or whoever CEO coming out and saying we're really really positive this year. Do you do you agree with that?
2: I would agree with that. And to me, this team that we have on, and this is solely on paper and. I would say this is a bit similar to the team we kind of had around that oh seven oh eight. We don't necessarily have like those big on field leaders like we had Ruben Wicki, we had Wideangi, we had Stephen Price Steve out Ross. there, but we had a team during that little period that we didn't necessarily have an out and out superstar player, but we had a team, and that's what gave the Warriors a lot of success. Mm. I know we had like Wade McKinnon, he was outstanding yes. in '07, and Lance Ohio in a fullback in '08, and was exceptional as well. But it feels like we have that team feel, and when you look at the that those teams as well, as I said, they weren't littered with superstars, but they were just filled in with handy good players, NRL players, NRL proper players, proper NRL players. So, and that was probably that's probably like one of my, my favorite Warriors period those couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I kind of I kind of feel optimistic in that regard. But the issue is, yes, the Warriors might have gotten better from last year, but they're not the only team. So that's that's probably what makes it a bit more difficult is that, yes, the Warriors probably, are, I reckon, will do better this year. Yes. But there's going to be a lot of other teams, like we'll say, we're going to have to throw the Bulldogs out there. The Bulldogs, for sure. That are going to be a lot better. Uh, How some of these other teams are going to do, it's hard to say whether the Broncos are going to, be better, and they're actually going to be able to keep up their form throughout the whole season. It's hard to say, but I, I like what I see from the Warriors, and I think bringing these guys back is important because these are guys that are involved in these teams, and you have to you have to tell them, you know, what it means to represent the jersey. Yeah, because a lot of them aren't from New Zealand.
1: You know, a, a lot of them didn't grow up. Well, certainly last season, at least didn't grow up watching the Warriors. They don't really understand it, and Australians don't get it. They don't understand. They see a team with more often than not a losing record and think, well, everyone must be off that team. But they just don't get the
2: the faith, do they? You want a a guy like, I know he's not there this year, but you want a guy like Chanel Harris-Tavita or a a Jazz Tavanga who no matter what happens, they are going to put their body on the line because they want to do well for the jersey. That's Mm. what you need. You want guys who are there who are representing the jersey. Mm Mm-hmm and want to be part of that culture, and you feel like that they've got this, this is probably the the best core group of guys that actually have that in a very long time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess back to my initial point as well, you just want to see them have a crack. Like you said, losing to the Panthers by six points when they're on a historic winning streak, that's a win for us. And we just want something, win or lose or draw, we just want something to hang our hat on and be like, Yeah, we're a Warriors fan. This is what happens when you come and play the Warriors. You feel it the next morning. You know, there's going to be a bit of razzle-dazzle. And... uh whether we win or lose is irrelevant. We're just keeping the faith. So give us something to uh, give us something to back. And I got to be honest with you, I am feeling that this season. And as I mentioned before, you can catch the uh, one New Zealand Warriors preseason fixture this very Thursday by becoming a member, um, as Ben does every year. You can use the code SENZ23 at checkout. Memberships are only twenty five bucks, but you'll get ten percent off with that code uh, SENZ23. So go to warriors.kiwi. To find out more now, because it is the Saturday session, we need to talk a bit of cricket. um, And I am unqualified to do so, so I've brought in the heavy guns. Someone who is qualified to do so is Hamish Bennett. We're going to join him right after this. 11.36 11.36 on your Saturday session on SENZ. Uh, always love your feedback on 8883 or 0800 Keep that coming through. Uh, it is time now, uh, obviously no Dan McCarty this week, but we are still talking cricket thanks to PGG Rights and Turf, key suppliers to New Zealand cricket grounds. Uh, a man who is no stranger to New Zealand cricket grounds as uh, former Black Cap Hamish Bennett who joins us now out of Queensland. Good morning, Hamish, how are
0: you, mate? Yeah, good morning, mate. Now I'm all good. Thank you very much. Just and um, just got my feet up on the on the deck and just enjoying life.
1: So oh, it's be- good. Beautiful, are they? Is that crickets I can hear in the
0: background? It is, mate. Yep. Oh. yep. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of wildlife over here as well. So um, no, it's good.
1: It sounds beautiful. And, just, and for the listeners, what are you up to over there in uh, in Australia?
0: Well, I'm just doing a, working for Queensland Cricket actually. So just doing. a bit of a gig over here with um sort of players a little bit below that second 11 stuff trying to work their way through into the pathway and um helping some other coaches as well um throughout queensland just with their own development so um it's it's been a really um enjoyable gig so far so i've really enjoyed it
1: yeah how are you finding living in uh living in aussie well
0: it's hot very hot (laughs) very hot sleeping's been a bit of an issue of late um yeah, need a bloody good fan, mate. Let yep. me give you the tip. And um, <laughs> it's it's almost the opposite to living in New Zealand. So in the morning you get up and you open your windows and open your doors, you get the fresh air, and then during the day you lock the house up. And- Shut all the blinds, try to keep all the heat out, and as soon as the sun goes down, you do the same, you try to get as much cool air into the house as you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, I've always said that about Australia, it's so bloody hot, it might as well, like when it's 40 degrees, it might as well be minus 40, because you just can't go outside, Um, you can't do anything. Are you living out in the country, from the sounds of it, have you had any run-ins with the wildlife?
0: No, 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 we're actually in Brisbane, so... we. um just, um, I had a couple of possums running on the roof last night, so I needed a rifle, but, um, no, there's plenty of wildlife out, so it's been, it's definitely been eye-opening, um, and that, that aspect of being growing up in the South Island, you didn't see too much sort of bugs or critters and stuff, so, I've yeah, seen a few, so it's, um, oh, it's good.
1: No, I completely agree. I, I read online that you were, uh, born in, down there in Timaru.
0: Yeah, mate, yep, mighty Timaru, so, um, yep, so, yeah. no, we 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 go good there. I mean, the New Zealand under 19, um, Girls captain was from Pleasant Point, which isn't yep. too far down the road. So,
1: I, I myself, um, South
0: from, Canterbury, pro-
1: yeah, no, myself, I'm from Waimati, so just up the road there. Um,
0: oh, I've, yeah, well, wow, yeah. I don't know if we want to be painted with the same
1: brush, but well, I've counted them up. I've only got five fingers on each hand, so I must there must have been some outside genetics coming into there. But I didn't bring you on to talk about that. Um, listen, the Black Caps have been over there in India. Uh, always a tough ask for any team to go over and play against India uh, in India. But a little bit of a taste ahead of the ODI World Cup later on this year. We'll get to that in a second. But that last T20 um, match, you, you see this from time to time in T20s, don't you? These kind of score lines where you just sort of think. Is there any analysis to be done there, you know? Could you look at that and say, well, if this guy had it gone better, maybe we would have only lost by 150, you know? How do you, how do you sort of see that playing out? Or was that, that last T20 just an anomaly?
0: Um, oh, I think it's one of those things from a touring team that's been on the road for a wee while now, you know, they're in Pakistan, um, then come to India, I think, you know, if you're being really honest with yourself, I think a few of the boys are probably already on the plane, you um, before you know, before the game started. It's one of those things when you travel Asia for a while, you've been in the bubble. They probably haven't been out and about. Um, it's pretty tough. I think you just got to write it off and not worry too much. I think the positive thing we saw from that whole series is that it looks like our three spinners are going to be competitive when it comes to the World Cup. So it's going to be really inter- interesting to see what sort of wickets the IP- ICC produce and what they sort of ask for. You know, with the World Cup in England, they wanted spin to be involved. So it'll be really interesting in this Asian World Cup to see if how they're going to go about getting pace bowling involved so it's yeah. not too spin-dominated. So um, I think we're not too far off. I mean, you've got to rem- remember as well, there's a lot of young guys or guys touring India and Pakistan for the first time as well, <clears throat> learning the culture, learn the way you play the game. Um, and when you play in India, you can't be too far off your margins. Your margins for error are very, very small. And I think the guys that stepped up, like Ben Lister and Henry Shipley, who come from domestic cricket, Realize pretty quickly international cricket is a different level, um, and you've got to, you, your standards have to be far higher. Not that I didn't think they are bad, I think it's just a learning for them, and I think they'll go away and they'll be better for the experience. So it's about how can those guys that are on the fringe go away in and, and domestic cricket? push their training to a higher level, then come out to Mr Cricket and be better than they were before and really hold themselves to a higher standard.
1: You mentioned the spinners. Is it hard for a, a Kiwi spinner because obviously the pitches over here favour the seamers quite heavily. How, is it hard for uh, our, our spinners to get the reps that they need for them to be weapons when we do get to go and tour overseas?
0: I actually think it's the opposite from talking to a lot of spinners. Um, I know I'm talking to sodi a lot here. She thinks New Zealand spinners, are, when they travel around the world, are actually very, very good because in New Zealand it's such hard work. You have to put revs on the ball to get a little bit of turn. You have to put so much effort onto the ball to get, you know, little results out of the wicket. So when you go overseas, you actually see the Kiwi spinners have actually got a lot of revs on the ball. They're actually trying to get it to spin. They're actually trying to make the most of it because at home they have to work so hard for such little results. So... I think we see it more from in foreign spinners come here who probably are just used to, you know, bowling the ball onto the wicket and, and expecting the wicket to do something. When they come here, they actually just go straight on. They get pumped. So the same when they go to Australia as well. So I actually think it, it actually helps us a little bit. It's just a shame that, you know, they only get to do it once every so often when they actually go to Asia and play.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the um, the ICC's uh, input into the, the wickets that they prepare. <coughs> it's It's... Uh, you know, it's a feature, not a flaw, of the game that everywhere you go, the home team prepares a, a wicket that uh, you know heavily favours themselves. We do it. Australia are probably the best at it. How much input? We saw the uh, the groundskeeper got sacked uh, during the tour while we were over there in India. How much input does the ICC have, and how much input can they have on uh, on making the pitches, you know, suit certain types of bowling versus others? And how much do you think should they have, or is that you know a pretty core part of the game?
0: Well, I think during the during the um, ICC events, the ICC can bring in their own groundsmen if they wish and they have full sort of um, control of what sort of wickets they want to be produced. Um, you know, when it's a bilateral series then I don't mind those wickets being favouring the home team. I think that's all about touring, is that you're touring in different conditions and that's what makes winning overseas so special, is that you're going to someone else's country and you're be- beating them in their own conditions. But when it comes to an ICC event, they'll have pretty big control of what they want and what they want to see. Um, so, yeah, they'll they'll want a fair contest. They'll want pace bowling to, to feature. They'll want spin bowling to feature, and they'll want to they'll want to see probably teams. You know, I think an ideal game for the ICC is a team batting first, getting around that 270 mark. You know, being a little bit of trouble early, being able to build a partnership in the middle, and then spin coming into it. So, they just want to see a good game of cricket, and that's what sells the TV rights and makes people watch the
1: game. 100%. Has your opinion of where the Black Caps stand uh, ahead of the ODI World Cup changed since this Indian tour?
0: Um, no, because, I mean, the big boys went. you know, we didn't see Williamson, we didn't see some of the other guys. And you got to remember as well, they are going to go in a lot fresher as well into the World Cup than what well, they have been. I think it's important now, these guys that have just come back from Pakistan and India, a few of them, you know, like Finn Allen I look at, you know, maybe he's, he's probably... Good to have some time off. I know we've got domestic cricket back here, and unfortunately, something has to take a hit. You know, he's mm. he probably needs a little bit of rest up before he goes to the IPL with, in preparation for the World Cup, and then he'll probably play a couple of other T20 tournaments in the winter. And then they go to England, I think, in September, and then you got the World Cup in October. So I think they need to use the time now to sort of freshen a few of the guys up and, and get the mentality right. Um, so making sure that they've got a good, they're not going to burn out in the winter um, yeah. playing other competitions and leading to the World Cup, primed and good to go.
1: Yeah, and on that note, um, the big news of the week in the cricketing world here in New Zealand has been Kyle Jamison, uh, named in the in the squad to take on England in the two-test series. Uh, the stories out uh, so far say that he's going to play in the first test, but not the second test. You yourself have come back from injuries in the past. Is it, is it quite common for someone to play a, you know, the first test and not the last test? Or how do you think that injury will be managed and, and the thought process behind
0: that? Well, I think straight away, looking at it, I mean, those English tests aren't ICC World Test Championship tests, are they? So, um, looking at that, I think you say it's brought the value down. Not maybe that's not the right term, but maybe it's brought the value down of those uh, uh, of test series that aren't ICC, um, you know, World Test Championship points. Mm. Um, and you will also got to remember to play Sri Lanka as well, so he could possibly feature in all those test matches as well. They want to get him through a test, see how he goes, give him a bit of recovery time. Um, And then get them going as well for for Sri Lanka. So I don't mind the move. I think a lot of the time we look at the short term, um, you know, we look at the short term stuff. Whereas actually, I think we've got to have a look at the, you know, the well-being and the holistic and and the athlete development over a long long period of time. We obviously don't want Kyle's back to refracture or Mm. pick up another little niggly injury. So I think it's a smart move um, from my personal. I mean, it'll be frustrating for Kyle because he want to play. Frustrating for the public, but think on the long run, when you look at it at the end, um, he's got got a lot of cricket coming up. I mean, he's got the Sri Lankan series after that. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't get picked up in the IPL, did he? Or did he?
1: Oh, a better producer would have been able to tell me, no, I couldn't tell you off the top of no.
0: my head either. either. Either way, he's going to the IPL or he's, um, he's going to Pakistan as well. So he's got cricket until um, the end of April, um, middle of May anyway, from now. So he's got a pretty big and on that tour of Pakistan, he'll have to be leading that, that attack as well um, in the white ball series. So he's got a lot of cricket coming up. So I think it's a smart move in the long run.
1: Well, mate, um, we greatly appreciate your time uh, joining us this morning at, uh, I believe, is it at 8.30
0: over there in Queensland? Yep, yeah, but it's a different lifestyle over here. Everyone gets up at 5 a.m. It's the best time because it's nice and, you know, cool, as <laughs> they like to say over here. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's it's actually a good time to be, to be up and about.
1: All right, brilliant. Well, we'll let you get back to the pool and uh, enjoy the rest of your morning. Thanks very much for joining us, Hamish.
0: No, nah, cheers, mate. Thanks for, thanks for having me on.
1: Former black cap Hamish Bennett there and um, South Cantabrian as well joining the show to talk all things black caps at the moment. Uh, plenty going on. And uh, like you mentioned, Kyle Jamison's injury, it's, it's very much more the, the public that are very keen to see him getting back on board as quickly as they possibly can. Uh, Not so much, obviously, frustrating for the player as well, but I think we all just need to sort of temper our uh, expectations A little bit there. All right, uh, we need to get to another quick break before the end of the hour. Plenty to come. Some more sports headlines, uh, some uh, sports tips to run a mile from. Plus, if you missed it earlier, Uh, we'll be replaying the uh, quick interview that I managed to have this morning with Dirk Nowitzki in the next hour or so. So stick with us on the Saturday session here on SENZ. Welcome back into the Saturday session with Mania filling in for McCarty. he will be back next week. Uh, that might be the earliest I've ever heard that song on a Saturday. That's usually in uh, twelve hours time when they're shutting the bar up and they play this one. Um, we just talked to Hamish Bennett. If you want to go and listen to that, that'll be up on the app very soon. Um, talking all things Black Caps, where he sees them going into the uh, the World Cup, why we shouldn't worry, uh, and how uh, Kyle Jamison should be managing this return back from injury from someone who's been. There and done that. Uh, The news that we talked with Justin Nelson about before out of the NBA is that Kyrie Irving has requested a trade. Um, If you've heard this before, that's because he requested a trade earlier on this season. Now, Bill Simmons of The Ringer fame, formerly of Grantland and ESPN fame, he does, well, used to write a yearly trade value column, which I think we should probably do for the NRL, Ben. Um, And so I've just gone through that. And trawled through to find where Kyrie Irving might be because you know he's a he's a star player. You would say in terms of talent, probably a top twenty-five player. Where do you think he ranked, uh, Ben, on the on Bill Simmons' trade value column? Give me like a uh, a twenty sort of uh, a bracket of twenty numbers, if you know what I mean. What Ten it? to thirty. Ten to thirty, you think? Uh, there were, and I'll tell you, there were seventy uh, players listed on this thing all up. And Kyrie Irving was not on that list. He didn't make it into Bill Simmons' top 70 uh, trade-valued players. There was uh, an honourable mentions segment that featured a whole bunch of players you've never heard of, except for Steph Curry's brother, Seth Curry. He was an honourable mention, as was Chris Daps Porzingis, who I think probably you'd modelled your game off, I would imagine, back in the day, Ben. Um, Then there was a... Incorrect. (laughs) You would have been actually a Dirk Nowitzki kind of player, would you?
2: I always like trying to practice the fadeaway, yeah. but I, I was never allowed to shoot unless it was off a rebound.
1: Yeah. What, like a full court shot? Oh, offensive rebound. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, no, so he didn't make the honourable mentions. He was not in the toughest omissions section. Uh, Bill Simmons ranked Kyrie Irving in the dishonourable mention list. So I don't know what the value is going to be for a player like him. We, we've talked before uh, ben and I, one of my halfback sports ideas was to use the money that we were going to use on the uh, America's Cup to bring Russell Westbrook to the breakers Could Kyrie be in the future?
2: Are they actually going to try Carmelo this time?
1: maybe Carmelo Anthony he's not playing for anyone at the moment Um, plenty to come in the next hour including more sports headlines plus sports tips to run a mile from and if you missed it earlier on we did catch up with Dirk Nowitzki this morning for a brief chat uh, about Stephen Adams about beating us in the 2002 FIBA World Champs as well we'll play that out for you again in the next hour or so Just coming up on 12.01 on your Saturday afternoon now. Welcome in to the SNZ Saturday Session. No McCarty, Minaya in for him this week. McCarty will be back. Uh, Regular programming will resume. Next week, now Super Rugby creeps forward every year. It seems to get earlier and earlier uh, and that is why SNZ Super Rugby Tipping 2023 is now open. This was absolutely phenomenal last year. You could win the ultimate New Zealand sports experience for you and a mate worth two and a half grand. All you have to do is sign up now at Tipping Dot radio dot N-Z. You can just Google uh, SENZ tipping comp. It's great to uh, get involved with your mates. It's much easier than uh, sort of your fantasy leagues in the NRL or uh, your NBA fantasy leagues as well. It's just uh, four picks throughout the week, four or five picks throughout the week, um, and one of them is worth bonus points. Basically bragging rights is what you're trying to win over your mates, um, all that massive $2,500. Uh, prize as well. It's time now, if I'm correct, for the sports headlines. uh, Manchester United boss Eric Ten Hag, am I pronouncing that correctly, Ben? Eric Ten Hag uh, has asked his players to focus on football after teammate Mason Greenwood had all criminal charges against him dropped. The Crown Prosecution Service said on Thursday that the charges against 21-year-old were discontinued after key witnesses withdrew... Their involvement, United, is to conduct its own process, quote-unquote, before deciding what to do next with Greenwood still suspended by the club. Zaire Wade, the son of former NBA star Dwayne Wade, has agreed to sign with the Cape Town Tigers of the Basketball Africa League, a source has told ESPN. Wade averaged 4.6 points, 1.9 assists in 13 games for the Utah Jazz's G League uh, Salt Lake City Stars Last year, relatively unimpressive, the 6 foot one guard took part in the BAL's recent combine in Paris with his father in attendance. Wade is expected to join Cape Town in South Africa immediately in preparation for the 2023 BAL season. The BAL season will again feature the top 12 club teams from 12 African countries, playing a total of 38 games in Dakar, Senegal, Cairo, Egypt and Kigali Rwanda over a three month span. American car manufacturer Ford has announced this morning that it will be returning to Formula One as an engine supplier to defending champions Oracle Red Bull Racing and Scuderia AlphaTauri. Uh, Scuderia, rather. The deal is set to kick off in 2026. God, it's 2023 already, and run for at least four years to 2030. In what the two firms are labelling a long-term strategic technical partnership. And British record signing Enzo Fernandez made his Chelsea debut but could not help his new side claim only their second win of 2023 as they were held by Fulham at Stamford Bridge. Um, I'm going to need to know more about uh, our man Mason Greenwood, uh, Ben. I'm not across the story. Football can tend to be a blind spot for me. Uh, what What did he do? Can we even say what he did?
2: Uh, he had some, put it this way, had some very horrible allegations made against him. Mm. Uh, which has pretty much seen him, has he has not played in well over a year. Mm. And it does, it's hard to know whether he will actually play again. It says that the charges have been dropped, but based on the... Uh, the allegations. Allegations and what was leaked on social media, you it's probably hard to see him getting back. But Anytime a team, a player or, or an administrator has to come
1: out and say, we need to focus on football, uh, that is a bad sign. Zoya, William, uh, Zoya Wade, rather, uh, not making it... I mean, he played for the G League. There's obviously a value in signing a player like him, being Dwayne Wade's uh, son, but a rather unimpressive stat line for the G League where they generally post massive numbers. You know, you will see players go from the NBA who you see on the end of a roster, the next time you see them, they're, they're playing, you know, 40-something minutes for the... Rio Grande Valley Vipers uh, and scoring about 50 points a game. So a little bit unimpressive. I I honestly think that about LeBron's son as well. There's so much noise coming out about him and what he's going to do in the NBA. You know what I mean? And that LeBron keeps talking about the fact that he wants to play with his son as well in the NBA. A lot of the reports are saying he might not be good enough to get him in there. But if you were a team, if you were a franchise and you wanted to attract LeBron to come and uh, play for your team... Would you, Ben, would you hire, would you, uh, I guess, draft LeBron's son on the
2: off chance that you can get a 40 year old LeBron to come and play for your club? Yeah, but it's, pro- it's probably part of, lots of it's probably to do with the marketing because you get a guy like that, a part of your franchise, it probably increases the value and everything that comes with it. People buying, LeBron jerseys, people buying his son's jerseys, it's probably, it depends what way you look at it, but business these days, lots of it's about making money, so people will see that as an opportunity to do that, so yeah, they probably would.
1: On a related note, um, he's actually tweeted this morning, LeBron James is the king of the uh, the subtweet, the tweet about something that's happening where he actually doesn't refer to the thing that's happening. Um, as a way of having plausible deniability. Of course, the big news in the NBA that we've been talking about all day uh, is that I met Dirk Nowitzki this morning. And the next biggest story is that uh, Kyrie Irving has requested a trade from Sean Marks' managed Brooklyn Nets. LeBron James just tweeted uh, a king emoji and I believe an eyeball emoji reading between the lines there. He's saying, could there be a reunion of Kyrie and LeBron from 2016? Would that be enough? Ben, do you think that that would be enough to turn the Lakers around? Or is this season too far gone?
2: Absolutely not. I would not want uh, a cancerous player like that on my team.
1: You don't think that uh, they could, you know, bury the hatchet, get along together, that they've hashed out all of their, uh, um, you know, issues? No. I'm
2: sorry. It doesn't fly with me.
1: So, before... Anthony Davis went down with his most recent injury, which he's come back from. The Lakers weren't too far out of uh, the eight, the top eight, who make it through into the playoffs. They are currently sitting in the 12th position. They are 25 wins and 28 losses. They would need to win their next sort of three or four games to make it into the playoffs. Even at that point, uh, they need to have a, what you would say is an historic run of being injury free and an historic run of health uh, over that period for them to be able to make even the second round of the playoffs and you wouldn't think that with a 38 year old player and another bloke whose knees uh, tendons and ligaments seem to be made out of glass and Anthony Davis you wouldn't think that that would be enough Uh, you don't think that adding a toxic player like Kyrie Irving onto that uh, mess makes it any better do you?
2: No but that's probably part of me as well in the dislike of the way the sport is going? The the NBA or sport in general? Okay, so my current gripe with with the NBA is that I don't like it how players are celebrated. This is just an example, and this is something I've seen before. It would be like James Harden scores 40 points and massive win for whoever he plays for. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, he scored 40 points, but how many shots did he take? He took 35 shots. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that is good basketball. Well, has been proven not to be it's certainly not winning basketball but that that's the way it's it's shown is that that is good basketball is scoring 40 points off 35 shots which in actual fact is terrible the way i guess that defense isn't played as much anymore and lots of it's just isolation one-on-one because i like the old school in the post move the ball yeah move the ball like I, if I could do my dream team, it'd be you know Dwayne Wade throws it into Ben Wallace in the post. Wallace, yeah, Wallace. kicks it out to Page Stoyakovic for three. <laughs> and he misses Dirk Nowitzki on the rebound. <laughs> you know that, that that's where I'm going. You're so. good,
1: mate, Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. You know my theory on this, and this is something I think is uh, you know a trend in all sports. We see it in cricket as well. A lot of people that follow sports these days, and I don't think, like if you're listening to this station, this probably doesn't apply to you, but I think particularly younger people that follow sports don't watch the games as much anymore. When we were growing up, you know, it was always you just watch the game and then there might be a story about it in the paper, whereas nowadays a lot of people follow leagues primarily on social media. They watch highlights, they check box scores, they have their fantasy team. And so what you're saying about the heliocentric style in basketball where it all just revolves around Luka Doncic, say, and he puts up 60-point triple-doubles every other day and everyone celebrates him, or James Harden, as you mentioned. It's because you actually watch the games, and that's hard to watch, whereas people that don't watch the games um, that... Sorry, I've just seen something on TV. um, People that don't watch the games... They see the box scores, they see the highlights, they think this is amazing. I think I think what you're talking about is a symptom of the way we consume sports these days.
2: Yeah, but that also comes down to there's probably a saturation of the market. Like I remember about ten years ago, you own only NBA games you could watch was on Thursday afternoons and Saturday afternoons on yeah. ESPN. You literally got two games a week. That's if you had Sky, as that's, well. And that's if you had Sky, and that's all you were limited to. And now they've literally got games on every day. The access to league, all these league passes, is, is everything's a lot more accessible. And there's also a lot more. It's kind of like the problem with rugby is there's so much rugby on now. It literally goes on all year. Mm. It's it's too much. Fatiguing. And a bit the same with cricket as well. There's too much cricket going on. There's too many of these T20 leagues, and then the black caps are playing pointless matches as well. And there's it, just too much of everything now. So I think probably it was a lot more enjoyable probably when you got to watch those couple of games because you probably enjoyed it a lot more. Mm-hmm. Or or if you have a system like uh, the NFL, have that red zone program. Yeah. We, and you can kind of consume it all that way. But I guess that kind of style program works with a sport like American football. Yes. I don't think it really translates well to basketball. I could be wrong. But that's kind of how I see it as well.
1: So what's the fix then? How do we get some more uh team oriented basketball, do you think?
2: Stop it- stop shooting bad shots. It's as simple as that. Stop trying to play those one on one. It's like it's like it's like how I say, like, play as a team. It's it's a team sport. Yeah. It's not one against five. But the offensive player is always gonna get the benefit of the doubt. Like I know they always they changed the rules. Dwayne I know Dwayne Wade was a master at it, but he jumped he would pump fake. And they get the guy to jump, and then he would jump into him to draw the foul. And I, and I and I know they've taken like that out of the game as well to try and eliminate that. But I just I just like I like it when defense was a bit more of a priority. I find it hard watching. And I remember when it, it was really rare. and This is going even just going back ten years as well when it was really rare for a, both teams to score over a hundred. And now both teams are scoring at like over a hundred after three quarters. The Boston Celtics scored a hundred and one half. Just yesterday, yeah, and and that just even going back a few years is unheard of. But that's because there's so much emphasis on the offense now, and lots of it's to do with the important, like the increase on the three point shot. But uh, it's just not for me. I, I kind of like a out I like grind, like it, those grind.
1: Yeah, the grinded out games. You don't think that this is. I mean you can't argue that the the sport's definitely more popular than it ever has been and the the league seems to be more popular worldwide. We were just down at an event where uh 400 odd people were lined up around the corner to see um Dirk Nowitzki So, you know the the game's certainly not struggling because of it but Oh no. Do you think of this
2: this is like this is just how I personally as, a purist. Feel, as 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 I enjoy it like I would rather go back and and watch uh who was it? Gary Gary Payton had a game winning three against Dallas in O six. Yeah. Game the, three the of the 15th, finals.
1: The fifteenth three pointer he'd shot in that year.
2: I think I think I think he'd only made two three pointers in that game from memory, and that one of them was the game winner. <laughs> um yeah, absolutely. I mean sports had come a long way and we see it in every
1: sport with uh, you know, T twenty the ridiculous stats that are coming out of that as well, the the carnival atmosphere and that seems to be what the punters want. But is it? Let us know, double eight double three, or you can call us O eight 0800 150 811 double three of course is the temper and bed post text machine. Uh, the temper and bedposts, range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort, which I can assure you, uh, Clado has been doing. He's just walked in looking resplendent in a pair of pink shorts. We might see if we can get him in for a chat uh, ahead of the Good Oil, which is coming up at one o'clock. We'll be right back after this ad break. Now here- 12.19 on the Saturday session with Minaya in for McCarty this weekend. Uh, or this weekend rather, Waitangi weekend. Hope you've got the Monday off. Hope you're enjoying a long weekend. Hope you don't have to come in and work on a Saturday. And if you do, I hope that you managed to tick something off your bucket list while you're at work. Because I did. Uh, as I sit here talking into a tin can right now, I am wearing a shirt signed by none other than the one and only Dirk Nowitzki, who, thanks to our mates at Foot Locker, we were able to talk to... This morning, real, as I said, bucket list stuff. I couldn't find anything else uh, to get signed either, so I had to get the actual shirt that I'm wearing signed by Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, A wonderful guy, a really nice guy. Um, He just came in smiling from the get-go, really friendly. Um, We didn't have a whole lot of time with him, but I did manage to ask him a few questions. I even managed to sneak in one about the Warriors. That'll be right at the end, but if you missed it, here is our chat from this morning with Dirk Nowitzki. Right, Dirk, well, first of all, mate, congratulations on making it all the way to the back end of the world. What brings you to New Zealand?
3: Well, originally started, uh, this tour started in Australia, did a little basketball promo. You know, I played with, with Chris Anstey for a year and we stayed in touch. And uh, he invited me down here to do some stuff in Australia. And and, uh, and, he's, and I said, well, while I'm all the way down here already and I brought my family. We might as well stop in New Zealand and have a good time and, and show my family this beautiful country. So uh, that's what brought us here, and we're excited.
1: Yeah, we're excited to have you. You've met my producer over there, Ben. Okay. Ben, uh, ben reckons he
3: can windmill dunk. What do you reckon? Windmill dunk? That guy right there. Okay. Well, I'm not sure. He doesn't <laughs> look like it, but hey, uh, I've been surprised before. Yes,
1: shock athleticism. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that's near and dear to our hearts here in New Zealand, the 2002 FIBA World Championships. You robbed us of a bronze medal. What does it mean to you to play for your, uh, your home country?
3: Uh, it's been always a pleasure uh, and an honor to obviously uh, represent my country internationally, play, play so many games, I travel around the world, even as a junior, and, uh, it's, it's always something special to, to play for your country. So sorry about 2002. <laughs> Actually, I saw Kirk Penny last night and, and Dylan. Uh, we, we stayed in touch over the years. Actually, Kirk Penny is, is on, with the same FIBA Players Commission that I'm on. So uh, we, we're constantly in touch and I saw him, uh, saw him a little bit last night. It was good to see the boys.
1: Someone that hasn't turned out for the Tall Blacks yet is uh, Stephen Adams. I know you played uh, against him. We'll talk about that in a second. But would you love to see Stephen Adams uh, turning out for the Tall Blacks?
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, it's, it's always uh, the, every person's decision uh, with the f- with family involved. And, uh, you know, everybody has to decide what's, what's best for their, for their career. Um, but maybe eventually he'll, uh, he'll play some, a few games. It'll be great for, for you guys. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he's a beast. You yeah. know, he's, he's a great rebounder, great finisher in there. He's super tough. So, I mean, any team that he's on is is, is better off.
1: You played against him 20 times in your career. I don't know if you knew that. But uh, what, did it, what did it feel like the next morning after playing against Steven Adams?
3: I mean, he's just uh, so tough from the beginning. Uh, just always knows where to be, where, where to set the screens. Great remounter, a great role player, great finisher in there, uh, sneaky athletic. And what I love about him most is he cares about the team. You know, he doesn't care about uh, individual stats. Uh, when, when he helps his team win, that's, uh, that's when he's happy, and that's, uh, that's, that's the guy you want on your team.
1: We've got a team here in New Zealand called the Warriors, not the Golden State Warriors, but the New Zealand Warriors. They're okay. a rugby league team. Every year we say that it's our year for the Warriors. Um, unfortunately, we're yet to win a competition. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, can, please, it. can your answer just be, it's our year? What do you make of the Warriors this year? It's our year. Yes! <laughs> we got it. Thanks very much, mate. <laughs> Dirk Nowitzki there from this morning. Uh, We had a couple of minutes where we were able to chat to him, one of two radio stations that uh, were able to do that, but you don't need to listen to the other one. Um, Ben, he was a bit dubious about your dunking ability, but he he sized you up and I
2: think he said maybe. Well, it was quite funny because... I said, I think I said before you when you guys were out. I think you're talking to some people outside. I was standing, and they were running through how they were going to do things, mm. and I said, "Oh, use me as an example." And I popped up, and he he actually said, "Oh, can, did you, can you actually?" I was like, oh, <laughs> "I I did it once, um, but I, I I don't think you realize like how much actually like I playing basketball and being able to dunk was like one of the things I always wanted to do. Oh, 100%. so so I, I I actually put a lot of work into it. Mm. So I used to watch like videos on YouTube of what guys did for training to for dunking. Skipping. There was right. a lot. Of, there was a lot of skipping, uh, jumping up steps. So you kind of just you know standing at the bottom step, you kind of crouch down and try to jump up as far as you can. Mm-hmm. And another one which is a bit explosive. So you kind of stand up on something that like used to go to the gym and you stand on something that's like about a foot tall, mm. jump down, and then you would try to jump up on something that's about a foot and a half. Then you put like another half foot on there. So you used to do things like that, yeah. And just and uh, my legs, you know, I remember, were in absolute agony. And I remember the day I first dunked as well. I I was, it was literally like starting at like half court and just running with the ball just to try get enough speed and not then, dribbling, not yeah. dribbling. You know, just trying to do all those things. And then when you kind of get it and you you, you get that feel, yeah, you know, it just it was just something you just wanted to keep working on. And it was so I, I was, it was a lot of hours trying to be able to do it because it was something that I always wanted to do. Mm. So, and now Dirk Nowitzki knows that you can do it. Well, I can't do it anymore. I could, I could probably dunk, like, I could probably do like a simple one-handed tennis ball. Knows that but, you could do it. Yeah, I, I can't, even, can't even grip a basketball like I used to be able to. It was just... You just stop doing it and it just goes well Dirk believes uh, look we
1: were down there at Foot Locker for a wee while on uh, Queen Street we talked to a couple of the punters down there we got the vibe we can show you what it looked like down there it was actually madness for 8am on a Saturday morning in the middle of Auckland uh, that video will be out uh, next week and we'll be able to replay uh, that clip for you wherever you get your podcasts I suppose they're up, it's up on Twitter as well if you want to go and check that out Two. All right, the fridges are loaded, the TAB accounts are loaded, and the Good Oil team are outside in the studio getting really fired up. We're going to go to a quick ad break here. When we come back, we're going to take a bit of racing action for you. We'll debrief it all uh, with Clado in just a few minutes' time. Good afternoon, Clutter. How are you? Good afternoon,
6: and I enjoying your new stunt there. Eh?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been not too bad actually. If every day was like today, it would uh, be very enjoyable. Get to um, meet
6: one of your idols this morning. Well, Craig's just
1: texted in. Hey, and I, what have you been up to so far? Today? <laughs> not much, eh? Cool, cool, cool. You'll be nice and fresh for the good oil. Then um, <laughs> yeah, might as well hang around. We need a third guest. Yeah, well, um, how is the good oil shaping up? And, and before we get to that, uh, you were frantically jotting some notes down while that race was running. How did it go for you? Um,
6: yeah. Fine. Favorite happy, naughty but nice. Yeah, yeah. So um, that would at description of a few people we know. But uh, naughty but nice. Kylie Williams' favorite, getting home from proper twelve and Lady in Canto. But looks like glorious day down there at Otago. Nice, does, doesn't it? Isn't it? And Thirty um,
1: degrees, I think they had you oh, set out out the day here. before. Yeah.
6: Oh. Jeez. They're good what for. I get w- to twenty four during the week here in Auckland. It was too hot for me.
1: <laughs> They're good for
6: one a year, I think, down that way. Um, oh, yeah. Not a bad, not a bad racetrack in terms
1: of uh, an event. You know, I I spent three years down there studying in St. Dunedin, nah, and, and the studying. races, the races. Yes, yeah, <laughs> bachelor and beer drinking, and uh, I think I majored in the races <laughs> uh, once a year down there. It's absolutely uh Phenomenal and a few storylines. We were talking to Shane Cuthbert, who works here in the office uh, at ECNZ yesterday, saying that uh, Tiarkal's sent a, a few horses down yes, there. Yes,
6: yeah, the fiftieth running to the White Robe Lodge. It's a Group Three sponsored by the sponsored by the Andertons. Of course, they're the big name in the South, you know, South Island racing around that area. So the White Robe Lodge and near yeah, Tiarkal's sent a couple of live chances down. Uh De Fur is going to start favourite. Perfect scenario, right in the race as well. But they've sent a couple of others down as well. Illicit mist, uh attacking the Dunedin. Gold Cup, so adding a bit of Northern interest, in, but the Southerners, man, they're not going to go down without a fight.
1: I've heard it described as a raid, would that be a fair uh, assessment? Yeah,
6: yeah <laughs> no, they um, go down for the Cup week uh, in November, they get down there nice and early, the horses get settled in and they perform really well, and Pres Fur, he's picked up a group one now, he's just an old war horse, he's like us, he just hops on the float and go. where are we going? Where are we going this time? We're going to Wellington, back to Munna and now he's off to Dunedin, Wingatui, so he's having the time of his life, and he's going to be hard to beat, he's odds on favourite. Yeah, um, plenty of
1: texts coming through. A lot of punters got their uh, tips coming through. Actually, Craig said also just picking a horse at random seems to be the strategy. Um, but <laughs> what have you got lined up for the good oil this afternoon?
6: Well, um, Louis, well, Louis uh, if you might have heard him on the mail run this morning, yeah, he's he had left. his wisdom teeth out. Yeah, so I don't know if he's flying or he's chilled out or the meds are working. But uh, yeah, he's he's going to stand down from this afternoon's show, so he's just going to leave me in stick So the uh, the old senior heads will be banging yep. Banging heads this afternoon. Um, no doubt, Louis will be calling no. But I guarantee you that.
1: One hundred percent. Bit of nutrition on board for Sticko as well. He's just in here saying he's he's had his vitamin C's for the day.
6: He's full of vitamin C. He doesn't totally agree with them by the sound of it. Well,
1: they don't agree with him. No, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Um, and also got a bit of a pie on board as a, oh. a large part of the good oil. Just uh, you know, making sure that you're well fed, well fueled up to find well those watered. Yes, yes, yes. The well, fridge
6: and the pies and the microwave. I, a...
1: I did mention that the fridge and the tab account were both loaded up.
6: Yeah, yeah, well we do a five hour stint. I mean you you know, you guys mm. the professionals, you know, you only do like three <laughs> hour stunts, don't you? Well, that's,
1: that's been me today, yeah, absolutely.
6: But yeah, you're buzzing, you're still buzzing. Um see so you're wearing my shirt, I left it in the office and you're still wearing it, so I'll get that back at the end of the show.
1: <laughs> you won't be having this shirt, no. <laughs> I got this one signed, it was about all I could find to uh to get signed, so I'm thinking of uh, sending it over to the old man, he can put it up in his shed. Oh, what a buzz, eh? Straight to the pool room. yes yeah, straight to the pool room. Absolutely beautiful. Um, what does a weekend look like for you, Clado You're uh, obviously in here for the next five and a half hours, but then uh, after that?
6: Yeah, um, well, there's Tauranga races tomorrow, so we'll look forward to that. We'll do the form for that overnight, and tomorrow, and we'll have a head buried in there, and Tawhirinikau on Monday, so plenty of racing coming up. That's, yeah. that's all we'd look for, mate, really.
1: Yeah, awesome. Are you heading down to Tauranga for those... Those
6: races, um, it's sort of fifty fifty. 50 just with all the roads and that. Oh. Don't, want to, don't want to get caught out and then sort of stay the night. You drive back Monday with all the rest of the Aucklanders trying to get home. It's yeah. not much fun.
1: No, and you were saying that uh, the your car got caught in the flooding. Yeah,
6: yeah, the work car in the basement, just around the corner. And in fact. You know, probably about 300, 400 metres from the building. Yeah, downstairs, uh, down below in the basement, water up to the bonnet. And that whole lot of stuff in there. I tried to retrieve it, but I looked and smelled it, saw the colour. it was like, "I uh, got the fuel card out, so the rest can stay. <laughs> the rest can stay. It, it is terrible, the flooding, because oh. it's not just water. It's, it's dirty, brown, murky, disgusting water, and, and it's just smell. And the look about it, it's just like, just walk away, just, they're all written off.
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. Even here in the office, um, you can
6: still smell the dampness. Yeah, um, well, was it the black Mercedes on black Mercedes on the new shop they use, yeah. just park, just dumped in front of the driveway. But Yeah, parked outside of our, uh, our workplace. And there's still cars on the way down. There's still cars that have been picked up in the floodwaters and, you know, they've been put on the sidewalk, like angle parking, half yes. on the pavement, the road, they're still there. Yeah. So people are either away or just can't be bothered touching them. Just Don't want let to think about leave it. it there.
1: What impact did that have on uh, racing last
6: week? I pretty much dodged most of it. Um, Wednesday, we moved the Tarapa meeting back to Friday yesterday. They still copped a bit of rain. Look at their big meeting next Saturday. So... They'll be working overtime to get that track back into Group One state.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll better let you get back to your uh, your hydration, uh, your nutrition, getting fueled up for the uh, for the action this afternoon. Go well, mate.
6: Beef and bacon. Yeah, thanks for the night.
1: Yeah, all, all the best. Thanks very much, Clado will be joining you for the Good Oil uh, Clado and Sticko from one o'clock. Uh, one last quick break, and we'll be right back after that. Uh, well. Congratulations or commiserations, depending on how that one went for you. It is 12.49 in the Saturday session. We've got about uh, six or seven minutes left on our Saturday show, after which Clado and Sticko will be in. They're outside uh, having a bit of a planning meeting. looks very, very serious. I believe it was a uh, steak and cheese pie that was being uh, eaten. The fridge is loaded. The TAB account is loaded. Brian's pacing the halls, uh, producing as he does all the time. Now, this uh, is a segment that I've just been doing a little bit of prep for, um, but you'll need to remind me of the name of it, Ben, because I want to make sure I get the wording of this right and the vibe of it right. Sporting tips you should run a mile from. So you want me to stand behind this tip, don't you? It's more that you're going to try and run a mile from it because you don't trust my, my tipping. No, I don't. We're going to stick with the NBA theme today. That um, I've heard. Talked to Duke Nukem this morning, um, and the TAB do a great range of NBA power plays. Do you ever get on those, Ben? I actually don't really bet, to be honest. Hmm. Interesting. Um, they do a great range of them, and because it's early enough now, you can actually get on them before the games start. A lot of the games don't start till one. Um, many of them later on in the day as well. Here's one for you: Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum. Each score 35-plus points, and their teams both win. So the Celtics, Jason Tatum, they are playing the Suns. The Suns have been absolutely abysmal this year. Um, Injury-stricken, Chris Paul has been injured. Devin Booker's missed some time as well. Um, So those, I'd say they're pretty much a lock-in to win, the Celtics. Uh, The Trailblazers, Damian Lillard's team, are playing the Wizards. The Wizards, as we know, absolutely awful. Uh, let me run. You, so it's really going to come down to the scoring. Let me run you through the last five games for Damian Lillard. Now we need him to score thirty-five points or more today. If we're getting on this one, the last five games for Damian Lillard: forty-two points, forty-two points, thirty points, so a little low, sixty points, and thirty-seven points. So Damian Lillard and the Trailblazers to win is an absolute shoo-in, really all it's going to come down to then is Jason Tatum, who has, you know, Early Doors was an MVP candidate. He's been averaging 30 points uh, through the month of January. So basically, he's had one 35-point game. So basically what you're betting on is does Jason Tatum score 35 points? And the odds i giving you for that is $10. If I had a house left, I'd put it on there. Ben, your, your thoughts on that one? Are you going to run a mile from that?
2: Well, I like that you've actually got the research to back it up. So, I'm usually a vibe punter. So, it depends. Are you going to be putting any money on it?
1: Well, I mean, if I, like I said, if I had the house left, um, I would put it on there. Um, but you know what? Today, I've felt pretty lucky. So, I might, uh, might have a wee
2: tipple. There you Re- go. Responsibly, of course. That's good to hear. Do you have a, do you have a league for us? Uh, I'm going to the horses. Okay. But I'm going for a race tomorrow in Totonga. Race number six. I'm picking uh, number three, which is a horse by the name of Texas, and it's what, paying four dollars for the win right now. What do you know about Texas, the horse? Well, I know it's a good horse. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> what? How, what? What sort of? Uh, I'm gonna need a bit more. Well, okay. So before before it races, I will most likely be feeding at breakfast tomorrow. So is that right? So I'm gonna put faith in the horse that I feed tomorrow morning will win. What are you what are you mixing up for it? What are you feeding it? I have to check the board, mate. I don't know what's on the board at the moment. A couple of carrots, some cabbage, what are we talking? No, you give them like proper horse horse feed. Like they've got like a balancer which has got like, you know your oatsy kind of stuff and An apple, perhaps? No, we literally just give them you buy your bag of horse feed. A lump of sugar? Ah, uh, no. I'm
1: I'm asking you to give me enough to believe in. well I do not I d I don't I don't know the contents of what is in said food. So you're just going off vibe, and the vibe is you're going to be feeding it tomorrow morning. So that's going to win. Whereabouts is that again? Tauranga. Tauranga. So you're going to make it down there? At City. No, I'll be, S50, I'll be working.
2: 15. What's that, sorry? I'll be working here. But I, in the morning, I go feed some horses on Sundays, and then I come straight here and work.
1: So you're going to feed that thing here in Auckland? Yep. It's going to be down there in Tauranga, and you believe
2: it's going to win you some money. Well, I'm not putting any money on it, but you asked for a tip, so I gave you one. So
1: you're running a mile from your own tip.
2: That's the way you want to look at it, sure. Brilliant. All
1: right, so my one was the power play uh, on the NBA, which was, if you scroll almost directly to the bottom of it, Damian Lillard and Jason Tatum each score 35-plus points. Portland Trailblazers and Boston Celtics both win. I believe that the Portland uh, the Blazers and the Celtics are shoo-ins to win. Damian Lillard has been on a tear lately. He will not score less than 35 points. You're basically getting $10 odds on Jason Tatum to score 35 points or more, Uh, so it's up to you whether you want to run a mile from that or not, but that is my entry into that.
2: This has been a great show today. Sorry, Ben, yes? Uh, Just seeing, we touched on it earlier during the show, but uh, Dylan Brooks has been suspended for one game for attacking (laughs) Donovan Mitchell's... uh, Nether regions. Yeah, I was going to say something else, but I don't know if it's appropriate for the audience, but... Uh, Donovan Mitchell's been fined $20,000 for retaliating. Oh my god, I mean chump change for him but still $25,000 uh, preposterous.
1: Alright this has been an absolute pleasure joining you for the Saturday session. Dan McCarty will be back in next week. Thank you very much for everyone that got in touch on 8883. Um, you can go back and listen to all of the stuff that we had on today including that interview with Dirk Nowitzki if I didn't mention it. Um, the interview with Justin Nelson talking all things basketball. The sales NBL not too far away. The Breakers playing tonight to secure the concede and, and make uh, make their lives a bit easier for themselves plus Hamish Bennett was a great chat it's always great talking to Hamish Bennett out of Queensland at the moment just out of Brisbane there sounds like an absolutely delightful part of the world uh, he's coaching over there his thoughts on Kyle Jamison's return his thoughts on the Black Caps a year out uh, from the oh, sorry less than a year out from the ODI World Cup, it's been an absolute pleasure having you alongside with me. Hopefully I've made your morning a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, we will see you again down the track. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks very much, Logan, who came down before, and uh, enjoy the good oil.